fantasy and some flights. Exploring the realms of beer, board games, books, and bourbon. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy and Some Flights podcast. I'm Nelson. I'm Dalton. And this is where the fun begins. Yeah. <laughs> See? Welcome to the shit show, you fools. <laughs> exactly. So, yes, we are here talking about the greatest cinematic masterpiece of all time, which is the Star Wars prequels, episode one, two, and three. And so the dialogue, I mean, Nelson made name me something this, that has given us more memes. Yeah, that's like, <laughs> well, there's that. <laughs> That's actually a fact, to be honest. Yeah. It is like the most like memed content out there. There's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, R slash prequels has given us a lot. It's given us a lot. Yep, I think R slash prequels actually has more subscribers than Star Wars, right? <laughs> <laughs> which is which is amazing. I love that so much. Yeah, but but yeah, so we are st- we are talking about the prequels. So we did the OG Star Wars trilogy episode. Um, OGOT. Probably a couple. Of- OG OGOT. Yeah, we did that probably a couple of months ago. And so we're mm-hmm. following that up with the prequel trilogy, yep. which is Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. I wanted to say Clone Wars there. That's, that's so hard show. not to do, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, and, and then I feel like the Revenge like, of the Sith. I feel like I had like the GameCube game, and I feel like it was called The Clone Wars. I don't know if it was called Attack of the Clones. Maybe it was. I could be totally wrong on that. But for whatever reason, <laughs> it, I'm with it you, not it's solidified me. in my mind as like the second movie is the Clone Wars, and it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's the start of the Clone Wars. It's the start. All right. So we've already I, dived into our topic. The Clone Wars. <laughs> <laughs> but what about the droid attack on the Wookiees? Um, <laughs> this is this is not going to be a good episode. <laughs> You might just want to skip this one, guys. We're yeah. gonna have a lot of fun with you... it, though. I think we're because it is such it is we, it's a trilogy that we lo- we all love to make fun of. Um, but it's also like one of the first times I think we'll be really actually critical in like a in a review episode or an analysis episode, right? Visual confusion. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> these are terms you will hear. Yes. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I I think that. I, I'm excited to talk about it. I think it's one of these where the story is significantly better than the actual movies themselves. Mm-hmm. And so the it, it'll be interesting to talk about. But before we talk about all of that, let's talk about what we are drinking. Dalton, do you want to start us out with what's on your flight? Yeah, I'm having a... I'm bringing back the Irish tonight, the love of the Irish. So I'm having Teeling Whiskey, um, which was new for me, um, but a fairly large brand. It's finished in rum casks, so it has a really sweet profile. Um, it's 75% grain, 25% malt, um, probably a smart move there. If you remember in Irish, they have to use barley, but they can use either toasted or not toasted, which is the when it's malt, we call that. Um, that means it's been toasted. And that will tend to envelop or introduce sweeter flavors. Um, a lot of people use something along the lines of 50-50. Teeling has chosen to do 75% grain, so backing off of that sweetness because they're bringing in sweetness from the casking in, in rum casks. Um, so it starts in bourbon, like a lot of them do, starts in ex-bourbon barrels, um, and then finishes off in, in rum. It's really straightforward. I, a lot of Irish that I have had kind of have this really straightforward profile um, that's meant to be gentle, approachable. Um, it has a little bit of like an initial kind of grainy bite. Um, and it has like some butterscotch type of sweetness. It has a low burn throughout, um, like a little bit of like almost like a lemon type flavor. Um, and then the finish is basically just kind of this warm, welcoming, like toasty finish. There's nothing like super fancy about it. It's in that range of like 30 to $35 that I like to hang out in. Um, and it's just a really enjoyable, really enjoyable whiskey, super consumable. So I'm, I'm enjoying it tonight. Yeah, that's awesome. I've, 
I think I've heard of, you said it was Tealy, right? Am I pronouncing that correctly? Tealing, yeah. Tealing, yeah. I think I've heard of this. I've, I've never tried it. But again, it's like right there in the $35 range. Right. It's super affordable to, to just try out. So no, that, that, that's interesting. What, what are your cheers ratings for it? For this one, probably a three cheers. I think it's totally worth grabbing a bottle and trying it out. Like I said, Irish is a big like draw for me. I will often order like a Jameson at a bar um, just because it always is like, it's a nice thing to have while I'm like having a night out drinking. Um, and this is, you know, just an elevated position of like these standard Irish whiskeys. Um, so totally worth grabbing a bottle, I would think. Oh, very nice. Cool. I, I'm drinking a, a very special whiskey tonight. Um, oh, fun. Yeah. So for 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 the for the very special episode, I'm actually drinking a whiskey that Dalton got me. So it's the Whistle Pig 10 Year. Um, nice. So this this is a phenomenal whiskey. So this is a 10 year rye, which as we kind of talked about on the podcast before, is a fairly rare thing to come across. Ryes are mm-hmm. a little bit less aged because they're kind of making this resurgence into the market. They're they're the hipster whiskey, um, <laughs> the, the new the new the new cool thing. Yeah. But it's a it's a hundred percent rye mash. It's a hundred proof, so fifty percent alcohol, and it's actually one of the highest rated rye whiskeys of all time on wine enthusiasts. That was a fun fact that I saw, and I didn't know that they rated whiskeys on wine enthusiasts. So there's that to, <laughs> <laughs> to talk about. So, but this is Asian American oak barrels. Um, it's not very. It's not. It, it has spice because it's a rye, but it does. It's not as spicy as one would think that a rye typically comes across and there's a lot more it's a lot sweeter there's a little bit of caramel in the nose as well as you get that um in, in the taste as well yeah. and so it's a very smooth whiskey it's right i was saying it's 100 proof but i don't put any water in it i don't ice it down drink it neat and it's still just it's nice i I'm, i i really enjoy this it's a phenomenal whiskey it's definitely a four cheers for me Dalton, i know you've had it do you have anything that you wanted to add to my amateur analysis of it? <laughs> no, not to, not specifically to add. We've had the six year on here. Um, we talked about how um, it had like some a lot of hype around it when it started getting really big. It was featured on Breaking Bad, but yeah, <laughs> which is absolutely a favorite of ours. Um, but no, I think you're absolutely right. It's like a super super drinkable, super high quality. It doesn't like totally break the bank, but it is a more expensive whiskey for sure. Yeah, but but I'm glad yeah. you're liking it. I'm glad you're able to enjoy it breaking it out for the special yeah. episode <laughs> exactly and you know kind of what we've talked about before we we like to have whiskeys that hang around for special occasions so yeah. weddings or big purchases or or things like that or you know prequel episodes and so <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna if i'm gonna drink this on any episode i knew it had to be this prequel episode so yes. whistle awesome. pig 10 year um, unfortunately I usually drink about two during an episode. Sometimes I drink, you know, five or six and you can probably <laughs> pick those episodes out, but I, I, I will definitely only be drinking one that I'm going to probably switch to like an Elijah Craig or something yeah. because it, it is like, it is like golden nectar and I don't, I don't want to go through it too quickly. Mm-hmm. It's definitely like a, a one, one a night type drink. Yeah, so for sure. For sure. Awesome, man. Glad you're enjoying it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love this whiskey. So Sweet. very very excited to to drink more of it. Yep. 
Alrighty, so let's transition on into the what's on our minds section. Before mm-hmm. I want to, before I ask you what what has been on your mind, I just okay. want to do a quick plug. We have a episode coming up, another book analysis episode coming up for Dune, the book. So the the first book in the Dune series, we plan on putting that out in probably about a month mm-hmm. from the release of this. It actually it may be like three weeks. Um, from the release of this episode and so if dune's a fairly short book but if you want to read it for the first time highly recommend that mm-hmm. or if you want to reread so that you can catch up and follow along with that book analysis i recommend that you go ahead and reread it it's i will definitely be rereading it here soon um, and that's kind of to get hyped for the new movie that is coming out um, at the end of october and so yeah. we're gonna have the dune analysis book review getting ready for the movie so if you're interested in following along with that recommend you reread or read it for the first time yeah it's definitely worth it yeah okay now that we got that plug out of the way Dalton, what have what have you been reading slash watching sweet yeah i picked up and i'm really excited to talk to you about this book so i picked up project hail mary uh which is andy weir's new book andy weir the author of the martian so this book for me was like getting to reread the martian for the first time you know which well that's a good that's a good plug right there i know like we have always we've talked about several times like what you know what book would you reread for the first time if you could and the martian like makes a run at a lot of those uh questions and so for that reason alone i think project hail mary is is worth reading some like caveats as you get into it if you hear me say that and you're expecting the martian First of all, it's not an, it's not uh, a sequel or anything like that. It's a different book. It has different main characters, different plot, different ideas. But it is it has some similar feels, like the feels of like the way that he goes through problem solving. The main character feel very similar, even like kind of some of the situations that he's in. It's not strictly a survival situation, but he does appear okay. kind of isolated, and so like that feeling of having to pr- solve things on his own feels very familiar. I will say the Martian is a lot more like hard tech like hard sci-fi um yeah okay and this one is like a touch softer it still has a lot of realistic elements to it um, but he takes a couple more liberties like the martian feels like oh uh we're just going to make a manned mission to mars and like that is something that we as a species are currently trying to do right it's like not that yeah, far out yeah, yeah. i don't want to like i think the concept of the book basically it, the, so the book starts and the main character kind of wakes up um from amnesia and he's like kind of being taken care of in this hospital like setting by like a robot that's like a medical robot that's like taking care of him but he has amnesia he doesn't know why he's there he doesn't know his name doesn't know what's going on and so him kind of discovering what's going on it kind of takes place over the first like maybe 20 25 percent of the book um and then remains a theme throughout the rest of the book that there are things that he remembers that like kind of secrets and you know things that kind of get revealed over the course of the book which is kind of done through flashbacks as his like memories return to him um that's cool yeah as like a writing style i think it really works just kind of like as an archetype for a book but if i tell you what the struggle is about it kind of ruins a little bit like because i think that's kind of the fun (laughs) of it um right and it doesn't take long you know you're gonna find out you know just a couple chapters in like really what's kind of the core of what's going on um what the book is going to be about but i think that journey is kind of worth it so i would i would recommend if you can avoid it i would recommend reading a summary of like you know the back of the book or whatever like what the book is about i would try to steer you away from that and just kind of open it up and um and just kind of trust that it's going to be it's going to be good you're assuming that we now have a lot of clout going in to recommend <laughs> books you're just like i'm not going to tell you what it's about <laughs> don't read anything about it but trust me on this one it's going to be worth it i so. I, I think less us and more andy weir andy weir has like a lot of clout. no no it's definitely us it's, <laughs> okay, it's yeah, us it's 100 <laughs> trust me it'll be fine yeah yeah no that, that that's interesting so is it the Martian had a really cool narration style where it's kind of like these journals and diaries. Is it similar to that 
in, in the narration of you're kind of reading entries or is it more kind of like a, a third person or a first person yeah like limited yeah that's a good question so it is still told from the first person perspective and it feels like the the uh, main character is telling you his story, but it's not strictly written as like diary entries. I think okay. it probably in the context of the story, it could have been, uh, but he probably just wanted to avoid that for like too many direct parallels or something like that too. Yeah. Yeah. Martian. So I think and, that and that's fair. Yeah. I, I, I really enjoyed that as kind of the narration style of the Martian. So right. I, I don't think I would be dissuaded if he had done that again, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think that it's a bad mark either. So I was just kind of curious for sure. For sure. But he really like cemented his like kind of style here of being able to recreate the things cool. that we liked about the Martian again, you know, without feeling like super repetitive because it is like new challenges and a new main character who's going through different struggles. I do think like if I was just going to look at it super critically, I think the Martian is still a better book. I, I think that this one approaches it, but it's not as good. It has like some, there were some points in the story where I was like, I don't know if that was really a good way to handle that or, um, or yeah. a couple points where I was like, I don't know that I'm really following that like train of logic. Like if that really, you know, from like a, in terms of problem solving, if that like really makes sense to me. And a couple of times that the character like made mistakes to cause himself problems that I felt made him seem like a little dopey where it was kind of like, I feel like he should be better than this. Like given his, like at, at that point, like <laughs> right, how, yeah. everything you'd gone through is like towards the end of the book. And it's kind of like, Hey man, like get it together. You know, like you've been, you should be better at this than you are. Right. But so you're finished with the book. I did finish it. Yeah. I okay. honestly, cool. I read the book in like four days. Like it did not take me long. Oh, that's awesome. I like flew yeah. through it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, that is one that I just picked up because apparently audible credits expire. So that, that's now on our, <laughs> that's now also on our audible. Nice. Um, so I, I picked that up with the intention of listening to it here soon. Awesome. So I'm, I'm excited and we'll, We'll talk about it for sure. Off the podcast yeah, I can't wait at to, some point. So <laughs> can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. But yeah, so that's what's been on on my mind. What's been on yours? So I I have two kind of quicker things. The first one is I've I've just been kind of rereading through the Harry Potter series. That's just mm, your background been read. easy background read or I guess listen. Yeah, it's just one of those that it's just really easy. It's comforting and, and yep. all of that. We plan on doing a Harry Potter analysis at some point, so I figured I'd have to reread them anyways. All right, so. That, that's the less interesting of my mind. Uh, Where are you at? That, that, uh, I just started Deathly Hallows today. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So you're so, wrapping it up. <laughs> wrapping it up. I should be done probably by the end of the weekend. So Cool. They're, they're super like just lighthearted reads. And mm-hmm. also Jim Dale is, is a phenomenal narrator. He just talks very slowly, mm. like in his narration style. And so... I, I listened to Harry Potter actually on like 1.6 speed. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, just because it's like it's like a normal person talking at that point. Jim Dale is just like he's he's very like soothing, but it's like also like let's let's go let's go. <laughs> Hermione's like squeaky in your ear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to spend more than six hours in Chamber of Secrets. Let's let's move this along. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah, so I, I I've been enjoying that. I. I reread those fairly often, actually. Just yeah, we we do like a Harry Potter party each year, so I have to. I'm the person who comes up with all the trivia, so it's kind of fun to, you know, figure all of that out and try yeah. to stump all the people. But the the other thing that I've been doing is Disney Plus has been killing it with their shows, mm-hmm. and so they they have just started this What If series for Marvel. Oh uh, yeah, have you heard anything about this? I no, just very surface level stuff. Okay, so this this will 
date this podcast. We're recording a little bit earlier than what we normally would, but there are three episodes out right now, and mm-hmm. each one of these episodes is a standalone story. So it, it's not a continuous like series or anything. They're just like a 30-minute snapshot of what if this happened instead of what really happened in the Marvel universe. Gotcha. So like the first one is something goes wrong. Steve doesn't get the super soldier serum and Peggy Carter gets it instead. Gotcha. And so how does that change the entire like story of Captain America? That's really fun. Yeah. They're, they're, they're awesome. They're animated and the animation is beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. And so, yeah. Disney should know how to animate things at this point. They should have that kind (laughs) of figured out. Yeah. It it feels less like a Disney animation and more sure. of like a comic book animation or yeah. like a, a anime actually. Mm-hmm. But some of the shots are just like the colors that they bring in. Oh man, it, it, they're, they're incredible to watch. So that one, that one was really good. The, the Peggy Carter one. Uh-huh. The second one was if T'Challa was star Lord. So oh, okay. Instead of Peter Quill, T'Challa gets abducted um, <laughs> and see how that messes with everything. Yeah. And then this last one that got put out this week was, what if like basically all the Avengers were assassinated like oh, before geez. like, yeah. So it's like right as like uh, Thor's hammer falls to earth, like everyone okay. starts dying. And like, how does that like, yeah. So like Tony gets assassinated and just like a, mm. a lot of the core group just gets killed. And how does that change the rest of the story? Gotcha. And so that, that one was less interesting, I thought, but it was still, it was still really good. So yeah. I've been really enjoying those. Those comes out on Wednesdays and I like Wednesday night, like I, I'm just like yes, let's let's do this because yeah. they're super digestible. And yeah. It's also I, I love that kind of like thought exercise of like ooh what, what you know what's going to happen next or what yeah what are, what are the next things that they're going to explore? So yeah, so Wednesday night is like Marvel night for you, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I watch you do your streaming. Yeah. yeah, I yeah. So I I watch the 30 minute show right after work and then i hop on at eight and do my marvel champion stream so yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) and then i like to talk about it on the stream so yeah yeah, i mean it's there's a lot of marvel going on in my life on wednesdays so (laughs) which is not a complaint whatsoever yeah absolutely no that's great that's great we're looking forward to checking it out we just finished loki um, which was also really good yeah so oh Good. I'm glad you finished that. Uh, yeah. I I, <laughs> I want to talk to you somewhere else on that yeah, being recorded. Yeah, exactly. We need a a spoiler, <laughs> a, an open spoiler discussion about Loki at some point for sure. Yeah, and I think that this is non-spoiler for Loki, but Loki starts to explore multiple different timelines. Yep. And this what if is really kind of playing off of that. Yeah. Of different timelines, oh, yeah. different things, alternate universes, and everything. Mm-hmm. And so I I'm really excited. Oh shit. Uh, did you watch the new Spider-Man trailer? No, I seen that it, like it dude, got dropped. I dude, dude, yeah. Oh my gosh! Like All this right. is gonna be old news by the time that this episode drops. But the Spider-Man trailer is sick. Like, I I haven't been as hyped for a Marvel movie. Really? Since probably Endgame. Yeah. Wow. Like, well, yeah. I mean, it's oh, I love Spider-Man, and dude, they are teasing some. They're teasing some stuff. So yep. right after this, you have to watch that. All right. Text me. All right. So we'll do that. Oh, yeah. No, I'm really Man, excited. I'm, I'm, excited. I'm, I'm, um, what's his name? Tom something. Tom, uh, Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Holland. Yeah. Man, we are A plus podcasters. <laughs> Tom Amen. Holland. I, I think he's the best casting in the Marvel universe. And that's a, yeah. that's a, honestly a really, that is something that is really contested. Not a low bar. Right. Yeah. Because yeah, 
Uh, Robert Downey, I think, makes the second like run at it because he's like ridiculously good. Um, but I just I love Tom Holland. I think he kills it, and I've loved yeah both of the spider like every every scene that he is in is like is just my favorite. So. I, yeah, Civil. I think Civil War is one of my favorite movies in the Marvel universe, like specifically because of Tom Holland, and he's not even that big of a part of it. <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> it's just where he's introduced, and I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, he's coming. Woo! He's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, do you remember when like Sony pulled him for a second? Like there was like the whole contract dispute, and we were all like, we're not getting yeah. Spider Man, and we were all super upset. <laughs> no, and then they worked yeah. it out. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank God. Disney was just like. Here's a bunch of money. Now go away. Go away. We want Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Give me pictures of Spider-Man. Um, <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Yeah, no, I, I think that he is he's a great um, kind of casting for that. Have you seen all of the things where Tom Holland is like really bad at spoiling things in like interviews? <laughs> like he just like... To the point where they just like stop telling him things like before they actually shot it. Like, <laughs> like there, there's an interview about Endgame. He's like, "Are are you in a scene with everybody?" He goes, "I don't know. I, I, they don't tell me." <laughs> like but they they've paired Tom Holland up with Bene, Benedict Cumberbund um, to do yeah. all of Benedict the- Cumberbund. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Benedict Cumberbund, Sherlock, uh, to do like all of the interviews now. And Benedict will just like put his hand out over Tom's <laughs> face when he's about to say something. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's, it's it's great. And so oh, that's awesome. I yeah, I, I'm super pumped for the new Spider-Man movie. Sweet. Um, definitely will be paying the premiere access thing that Disney will charge me for. I know those bastards. They got me <laughs> over the barrel, and they know it. Yep. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Star Wars Disney. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, speaking of. Speaking of Star Wars, let's move into prequels. Let's do it. Oh, man. Alrighty. So, the Star Wars prequels. Oh, man. Where to start? Okay. So, I I guess just kind of an overview. So, yeah. um, as, as, most, as probably most all of you know, Star Wars came out initially with episode four, five, and six. Then they came back 16 years later and did episode one, two, and three to tell the story of the rise and fall of Anakin Skywalker or Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it definitely was not, they're not as good as four, five, and six. Right. I think Lucas kind of got, you know, he's directing them, which does not help. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think that he is the, the, the best director. I mean, he has great ideas. He has right. great technological vision it's just i hate sand is a line in the the movie and it's just like (laughs) you know they're we 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 they probably could have paid someone a little bit more to direct right (laughs) and and write the dialogue yeah so so it it tells the story of qui-gon jinn and obi-wan kenobi finding this nine-year-old on tatooine and raising him to be one of the biggest villains of all time yes Great job. You guys did great. Cons- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this oh, is like, done, uh, this is a media that is up. like, you, you done messed up. This is a media that is like super well covered, right? Critically. Because it was like such a big deal when it was like coming out. And then it was such a big deal how bad it was, right? And it's really funny, for, like specifically for our generation, I think, because we had this like experience of when it first came out, like we were very young. And so it was awesome right there were awesome lightsaber fights visually it's incredible visually like it was like you know it was so much fun to watch and so you like sat down and you watched it and you came out remembering these like fights and yoda flipping around with the lightsaber you know and lightning's flying everywhere and you're like man this is the coolest 
And then we grew up. <laughs> and we got more critical and we got exposure to the internet and access to free like exchange of ideas and everybody kind of went right this movie was terrible right and so our sweat prequels <laughs> was made and we all started making fun of it right and there was this like right. great harmony around how bad just like shit talking the prequels and how god awful they are <laughs> right and everybody was in agreement and it was uh it was it was awesome everybody's in agreement about how bad they are and then now in like kind of the last recent years you know when that kind of like the hype of that kind of died off and you know, the right. the mob mentality of bashing on the prequels kind of started to go out of style a little bit. Now there's been a little bit of a resurgence, right? Just like a little bit. And the Clone Wars are a really big part of that. Um, Rebels, like all the things that are going on in the Star Wars universe. And I think actually really like when the sequel series started coming out and people started getting critical our age about that one, it was natural to start to draw ties back to the prequel series right and we started to kind of reimagine and think like is it actually this bad and so now i think people are kind of trying to settle somewhere in the middle still mostly on the end of bad it's not that they're good (laughs) it's that are they bad with like a little bit of redemption and i think one thing that's going to be fun for you as a listener um in this episode is i think nelson is in that party where nelson says yes they are they are bad but there are redeeming qualities and i am in the party of the entire sequel (laughs) or the the entire trilogy is just unredeemable it's just inexcusable mess (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> really okay i think that's like an overstatement but for the most part i think it's just bad so so are you talking about just the the movies themselves are bad or do you not also like the story i'm talking like the content that is produced in those three movies right so basically eliminating the clone wars um which may or may not actually yeah. be fair because they were kind of coming out at the same time at parts but just like setting that aside the content of the three movies, including the story that they are trying to tell, I think is bad. And I think that's kind of the crux of what we're going to get into tonight. Well, I'm, I'm ready to prove you wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that there is any room to debate that the movies are not good. Like, I do not think that they are. They're, they're, they're just bad movies. Right. Um, yeah, I, I do think that <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that the character arcs, the development of the characters is really interesting and intriguing. I think that the story is really interesting. And I think that that is also shifted after I have watched the Clone Wars yeah. and some of the ancillary stuff. For sure. And so going into it, just watching the movies, the movies don't really make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And so something that we were talking about earlier this week is that we were struggling to, to do a 30 second summary of the prequels because yeah. they are so all over the place. They're, they're, they're crazy. And so we're, we're actually just going to skip that part. And also like in my preparation, I was realizing like, I think, I don't know that I fully understood the story until like I've done this preparation, right? <laughs> right yeah. And so there's yeah, a little yeah. bit of worry of like, well, maybe somebody's coming into this episode and they're in that same place of, as me of like, hey, describe the plot of The Phantom Menace. And they're like, oh, fuck, that's like really hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a little bit of time to actually just spell out what the plot is. And then I think that'll help us talk about the parts of it that are bad. But <laughs> And good. And good. And, <laughs> you know, well, all of those redeeming qualities, all three of them. Cricket. So... <laughs> and, and also the th- this is also kind of a new format for us and I'm, I'm excited to see how it goes but i we kind of also were thinking that if we kind of did our our standard book analysis it would almost be a copy and paste of the og trilogy episode uh-huh. for a lot of those parts mm-hmm. because it's sharing the same magic systems plus midichlorians and um <laughs> like so a lot of that story is kind of there and so we'll we'll walk through it do you want to start us off with kind of a Starting out giving yeah. a synopsis of Phantom Menace. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's see, a good place. See where that goes. Right. Yeah. Start at the beginning, right? It's the best place. Yeah. I think also just a couple things to preface like the discussion. Um, again, Nelson and I, we are not movie critics, right? Um, we 
make a run at being book critics. Um, but we <laughs> we have very limited experience and expertise in acting and directing and camera shots and blah, blah, blah. And so you'll hear us talk <laughs> about these things, but that's not going to be the focus of our discussion. Like really, we are trying to focus on the story because that's the part that we are most, we have the most expertise in that we relate to the most. Right. And to be fair, it can't be easy. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or else it would have been good. Mm-hmm. So yes, we're going to, we're going to kind of shit all over these prequels. Right. But I'm doing it lovingly. So. Right, right. And if you want that type of analysis, there are people who are much more qualified to do that. The second yeah, thing 100%. I would preface with is that Nelson, of the two of us, is much more the Star Wars fan. Um, I really enjoy Star Wars. It's very near and dear to my heart. Um, but I have not watched The Clone Wars. Um, I have not read the books that Nelson has read. I've not watched Rebels. I'm not all the way caught up on The Mandalorian, even though it's like the best, right? And so I say that because like, you know, like, yes, we're, we're framing this up to be a bit of a debate, but just to like even back myself out of that a little bit, like Nelson, I, I have to defer to as a, a bit more the expert than I am. Um, so, you know, kudos to you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so Phantom Menace, Phantom we start Menace. out with some trade, aggressive negotiations. Aggressive, <laughs> aggressive <laughs> negotiations. I think the first indication that you're in trouble is in the opening crawl. Yeah, I mean, it starts pretty soon. So It does. It does. It's right at the beginning. <laughs> and it says, turmoil has engulfed the Galactic Republic. And you're like, sweet. Love turmoil. All cool. about turmoil. Love that. Let's do it. The taxation of trade routes to outlying star systems is into... Motherfucker, are you serious? Don't don't love that. Don't, don't love, love that. that at all, right? <laughs> the taxation of trade routes, like that's where we're starting, right? Like, okay, all right, fine. Um, maybe, you know, maybe George forgot to... I don't know, proofread the opening crawl. You know, there's no big deal. We didn't pay an editor. Right. He didn't pay the editor. Right. (laughs) And so then you get into this opening scene, right? And Naboo is actually blockaded by the Trade Federation, who you've never even heard of before, right? And they're like vaguely racistly (laughs) Chinese sounding. And you're like, okay, right. (laughs) Whatever. So they're being blockaded. And like the Jedi had been sent to like work that out or something, right? And so you're like, okay. Two of them. Two of them two of them. And so you're like, okay, like the Jedi are here. They're probably going to like save the day or something. And so then like, as this is happening, you hear this plan told between this like shadowy figure, right? Who you like pretty much immediately recognize um, because you've watched the, uh, you've watched the (laughs) OT, right? Um, Right. And so you're like, oh, okay, these guys are supposed to be the bad guys. And they have this plan to like capture the young queen to like force a quick treaty in their favor. And I think when I was young, right. I did not follow that at all. Like the way that it's presented makes no sense. Yes. Absolutely. And so that, just in case you didn't know, that is actually what's happening. The Trade Federation are blocking it and they are trying, <laughs> they're planning to go capture the queen to like force a quick resolution so that they can get a treaty in their favor so that they can like get more money. And in some way that helps out Palpatine, who you don't know that that's Palpatine, but like you know that that's Palpatine. <laughs> so the Jedi are sent. Mr. Sheev. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mr. Sheev. The Jedi are sent. Uh, at the first sound of like a weird noise, they draw their lightsabers. Already weird, right? It normally takes a long time for a Jedi to draw their lightsaber. Like that is what no, we are no. used to. But they're at war. Oh, wait, no, no, they're not. They're not they're at not war. At they're at peace. <laughs> but the Sith are, no, the Sith aren't around yet. The Sith aren't around mm. right now. They, they, in case That's mm. another thing, in case you didn't know this. <laughs> this is actually not really like described to us, except for like later, but the Sith are not around. That's actually a really good point. Like the Jedi think that the Sith are gone. That's a really important like plot point of the Phantom Menace. <laughs> right. Yes. The the Sith don't exist. They haven't existed for centuries, right? right? We are in peace time right, right now. And so right. why why <laughs> the negotiators are sent there and they're immediately drawing lightsabers, I think is just to play to the fan base, right? Like yeah. people wanted to see lightsabers and this is the best way to get them out quickly. Absolutely. To draw think, them after the poor opening crawl. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And a lot of things that you will see in the prequels is that they are trying to harken back to things that were successful in the OT and it just doesn't 
it isn't done well and it doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. Right. But the OT starts out with like a fight, right? Like we talked about this in the original episode yeah. that you yeah. are in Meteor Res. Like there is a conflict going on. There's like people are shooting at each other. Vader appears and there's a <laughs> lightsaber. You're like, whoa, like this is amazing. What's going on? This is crazy. Yeah. This is like the craziest thing. Um, and so they're like probably trying to harken back to that, but it's like, okay, but it's a trade dispute. And like, why are they even drawing lights? So whatever. Um, so they end up on the planet. They end up rescuing right. the queen. There's like a slave boy that they meet and they're like, okay, let's bring him along. Right. Um, pretty much yep pretty much is like what happens um there's a dice roll or something there's like a dice roll and it's it's again it's a little like campy and you're like okay i know that like anakin's supposed to like be the main character or whatever and so like i'm gonna allow this to happen right even though we're like 40 something minutes into the movie we're just now meeting anakin do is this a bad part for you i i don't understand (laughs) (laughs) see knowing what i know now i think it's not bad that it took so long to meet this kid Um, (laughs) but from a storytelling perspective and this is you know, something we'll get into. And, you know, let's just get into it now. One of the main problems with The Phantom Menace is that it doesn't have a main character. Yes. Right. So I, I, no, I, and I agree with that point. I think that The Phantom Menace would have worked a lot better if it had been the third one released mm. because nobody cares about anything or anybody that is in that movie until you understand the full arc. Right. And so The Phantom Menace to me is setting up who Qui-Gon is, yeah. why, like why it's so bad that Obi-Wan had to take Anakin on mm-hmm. as an apprentice, whereas Qui-Gon would have been so much more adept at yeah. raising this boy. But like all of that nuance is lost because you, you don't know the story yet. And right. so, I mean, it it's all this background information. It's just kind of like, uh, what was the movie that we were, or the, the book that we were talking about, where it's just like listing facts for you? We we were talking about this on a previous episode where we I didn't enjoy the book because oh Ready Player Two Ready Player it, Two it just yeah. felt like it just felt like we we're it was listing facts and that's what I feel like the Phantom Menace for is. sure is it's, it's 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 a two hour long setup for Attack of the Attack of the Clones Attack on the Clones no Attack of the Clones the yes. Clone Wars uh, <laughs> <laughs> episode two yeah no episode absolutely. two absolutely and like and it gets so frustrating because you are like you're you're like sitting here and you're like wanting to dive in and like lean into this story and you just want to connect with somebody right and there's nobody yeah. to connect with um liam neeson was honestly a really good casting for qui-gon he could have been like super I, good I, in I that agree. role and you get these weird like obi-wan has like basically no lines in like the whole movie he says like a hundred right. words or something and <laughs> and so you're like you're wanting this like back and forth between the two of them right you're wanting like luke and han how they have this like friendship this budding friendship you want to see this like established in qui-gon and obi and like you just don't like they're they're just not really shown to be like friendly towards one another right and you don't get the master padawan relationship that obi-wan is trying to emulate with anakin right and i just i think i think obi-wan is a good master i just think that anakin's a a, a troubled case for sure. Um, <laughs> probably could have been handled a little bit better by Qui-Gon. Right. Um, right. And I, I do want to say that like the trade taxation of trade routes and all of this can be interesting. I think if it was presented in like a TV show, mm-hmm. right? Like I find that interesting in the Clone Wars. Like there there are political things that uh, you know, take episodes to set up and like the political maneuvering is super interesting. I just don't want that in a Star Wars feature film, right? I right. want big battles. I want it to be kind of like this crazy, awesome, epic film. I, I don't really care about the politics as much. I'd much For rather sure. see that in a different medium, a book or a, a TV show that has the time to set it up and is not limited to this two and a half hour, you know, let's try and shove all of these yeah. politics in here. 
um, to try and figure it out. I feel like George was trying to tell a story and he wanted to tell this story that was going to take 15 hours and he had to do it in two. For sure. Yeah. Cause like you enter that scene and it's the reason that he shows Palpatine is so that you can identify that you're supposed to not like these guys, right? These guys are supposed to be bad guys. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because without that, it's like, okay, taxation of trade routes, like maybe that screws over the people of Naboo, but I have not met a character on Naboo yet. And I actually don't right. for quite some time. And the first one that I really meet is Jar Jar and I hate him. Right. Like, I don't. <laughs> what? Okay. Hold up. <laughs> no, I'm just, no I, I actually cannot debate you on that one, sir. Right. Sorry. Go like, ahead. And so it's like, uh, okay, so there's something bad going on, but I have no emotional tie to this, right? I have no characters that this is impacting yet. And so I, and so I'm not really relating to it. Um, but anyway, so let's, let's talk about the rest of the, the, the story real quick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so they all go back to the Senate, right? And the Senate is revealed to be like this bureaucratic and corrupt. And there's these backroom dealings going on. And, you know, Naboo is like, hey, we need help. And they're like, meh, like they're not really going to do it. Right? And so <laughs> that sucks, man. Right. And so you're like, oh, no, like they, they can't like get an army or something to go free them from the Trade Federation. And so instead of that, the queen says, OK, well, I'm just going to call for a re-election of the chancellor. Right. This is an idea that's kind of planted in her head. Right. And so she says, I'm going to reelect the chancellor. And the reason I'm going to do that is so that we can put Palpatine as the chancellor because Palpatine is the senator from Naboo. Right. Right. And so he will have he will have better interests in mind for exactly. Us. Exactly. He's going to help yep. us out. Right. So that ends up working. Um, they get an army. The Jedi go back. Naboo is saved. Yay. Right. Great. Um, go team. On little hotshot flies in and saves the day. Little hotshot flies in and saves the day. Um, just to give us, you know, an aspect of realism and make sure that we're really <laughs> grounded in this movie. Um, right. On the side of that, kind of the side plot, which I say is the side plot, it's actually the only important thing that's happening, is <laughs> that Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan ha <laughs> are like, they have this dark character that's been evolving over the course of the movie, right? This like Phantom Menace, right? And right. that in Maul, Jar -Jar. right? In, in Jar Jar, the actual oh, Sith oh, Jar Jar. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, in Maul, right? And so they go into this fight at the end of the movie and Maul kills uh, Qui-Gon and then like basically the movie ends shortly after that when Maul gets sliced in half, right? And, he does not die though. But he does not just die. Point of, he fell down a reactor shaft so you know if any if I have learned anything about Star Wars, <laughs> if you fall down a shaft, you are fine. You you're are going to be saved. You're you're and that's why Han is still alive somewhere. That's right. That's right. No big deal. He's fine. He's fine. Right. Um, yeah. But we say that that's actually like the only important plot point that happens because again, without this and actually a lot of like watch order lists will recommend that you just skip the Phantom Menace, right? Start immediately into That's Attack fair. of the Clones. And the reason for that is because Attack of the Clones start and you get this back and forth between Anakin and Obi-Wan in like the elevator and whatnot. And they're like starting to establish their relationship. Yeah. And you kind of just accept like, oh, Anakin's like a Jedi. Like I kind of knew that. And so that's fine. Right. Right. I don't really need to see the background of it because if you think about the Phantom Menace, if you just pull the movie out of the story, like, and you just, if it just was never produced, like what happens to the story? And most people, myself included, would say nothing. There are like one or two plot points that could have been covered as like additional information or flashbacks or something like that, that are not necessary to just start the story at Attack of the Clones. I would agree for the anthology films. For Clone Wars and Rebels, it does set those seeds. Right, for, for because Clone Wars of... and Rebels are trying to fix the problems <laughs> of the prequels. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> and yeah, honestly, yeah. if they weren't no, shackled I... with that mess, they probably would have been even better. <laughs> right, and 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 that's fair. And, and I think that kind of goes back to what we were just discussing, where it feels like it's a two-hour, two-and-a-half-hour-long setup for Attack on the Attack of the Clones. Yeah, for sure. And for sure, it, I I agree. Like I, I feel like that movie probably could have been done better with 
just a couple of flashbacks. So if you take episode one, scrap it. You do Attack of the Clones as episode one. You yeah. do a Clone Wars movie right. that kind of shows Anakin's development. And then you go Revenge of the Sith. I think that would have been a much better arc mm-hmm. in the terms of what's covered. So, yeah, yeah no, I, I think, honestly, you could probably just skip Phantom. <laughs> just, just skip it. So, um, But you'd miss out on pod racing. Oh, no. Um, now this is pod racing. No, this is pod racing. Um, also, if Phantom Menace hadn't existed as a movie, nobody would have felt the need to carry Jar Jar all the way through the story. Oh, man, Jar Jar. Jar Jar. Mm. Anyways, so I want to put a pin in Qui-Gon because, like I said, he's the only part of the movie that makes something that would have to go back, be go like something that you would have to go back and review. Um, so the Qui-Gon relationship and then basically the fact that Maul kills him is something really important right. that I want to put a pin in, um, but we need to continue reviewing the story. I think, I think we need to kind of get through that first <laughs> yeah. okay. and then we'll come back and we'll do some character analysis and that sort of thing. So why don't you take us through attack of the clones? So attack of the clones is a fast forward of 10 years. So Anakin is nine. Padme is 14, which is already a little iffy with the flirtation that's going on yep. in phantom, but you fast forward 10 years. So Anakin's 19, Padme is 24 and Anakin has grown. Oh, and man wink wink <laughs> oh baby um and and padme is very beautiful for a senator at least and <laughs> man, this, this is... <laughs> yeah that i mean yeah, you've seen the other okay. senators though right like they all look like fish like <laughs> that <laughs> that's, i mean you got a point right Pelps does look better in episode two than he does three yeah so there's that <laughs> but, the point is she doesn't have a lot of competition I mean, like, Basically, the hill that I'm willing to die on is that Anakin's got game. Um, <laughs> oh, that hurt <laughs> he me. He spits. He spits. He flirts. He is. Mm, he could have any girl he wants. But any, okay. So, anyways, so we fast forward. Obi Wan is now a Jedi Master. Uh, Anakin Skywalker is his Padawan, and they are kind of given this delegation to go protect the Queen or the Senator from Naboo, which is now Padme Amidala. Mm-hmm. So she has moved on from her role as Queen, which. Just kind of sidebar, I, I kind of always assumed that queen was inherited and not an elected title. Right. But anyways. That was uh, like super <laughs> confusing though when you were a kid. You're like, did she get yes. demoted? Or is this like a different yeah. character? Because like queens right, don't become yeah. senators. Turns out on Naboo, it's like a democratic monarchy. Like they elect someone, but they get the powers of the right. queen or something. And she like, <laughs> it's like, but as a kid, you're like, what? Like shoots the queen. Like, yeah, this doesn't yeah, make whatever. sense. I've already been fooled once because right. there was already the whole switcheroo. Are we doing that again? Right. And then they do it again. <laughs> it's like yeah. the first scene. It's a stunt yeah. double. And you're like, you're not a stunt double, right. but like a body double. And you're like, right. oh my God, why do people keep signing up for this? <laughs> so, so they have been assigned to kind of protect Senator Amidala. I almost said Queen Amidala. Mm-hmm. Um, and be, because there have been a couple of assassination attempts on her life. And so they they do that. They There's an assassination attempt where they kind of follow the bounty hunter, which leads them basically to find a dart, which then leads them to a diner, which it's a very D&D-esque storyline. Like it's a very linear, uh, <laughs> go to the diner, talk to the diner. Oh, they know this. And so, you know, it, it's from this planet Camino. They cannot find Planet Camino. This is kind of Obi-Wan's arc throughout right. the story. Right. Um, this is a weird up- part, just side note of this movie, is that you start out with them as like friends and establishing the friendship, and then they like split and spend yeah. the entire movie apart. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, Obi-Wan uh, goes and talks to Dex and figures out that the dart is from Camino. He's like, mm-hmm. what the hell is a Camino? He goes to the archives. The archives are incomplete. Mm. Um, the little kid figures out the 
giant mystery <laughs> that, <laughs> that, that someone has um, uh, somehow erased the archives. Anyways, mm-hmm. uh, Obi-Wan ends up flying to the location where the planet is supposed to be and finds Kamino, which is the planet with the Kaminoans who are master cloners. Yeah. And when he arrives there, he's welcomed kind of with open arms like, hey, like you're finally here. Where is Sifo Dyas? Like, Sifo Dyas has been dead for 10 years. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. There's a little bit of confusion there. But basically, what has transpired is that a Jedi, uh, a Jedi that has died, since died, contracted with this race to produce a clone army. And they've cloned Jango Fett. Um, and that that's kind of weird. Obi-Wan doesn't really know what's going on. And then, you know, he, he's trying to figure all of this intrigue out. So he goes and he goes and talks to Jango, which he kind of realizes is the bounty hunter that he was fighting on uh, Coruscant, mm-hmm. which is where they came from. Yeah. And so like where the that kind is. of ensues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the it's literally a planet that is a city, which I, I think is actually a pretty cool. It is like, kind of a cool idea. Yeah. Concept. <laughs> so so they, they fight and, and that's kind of where Obi-Wan's arc I'm going to leave it there. Yeah. Anakin's arc is not as interesting, I think. Yeah. He basically but significantly gets to more go cringy. Have, yes. Oh, man. The sand. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so for some reason, the Jedi Council feels like it is a good decision to have him as a bodyguard for Senator Amadala, where they are going to go back to Naboo so she can hide out and avoid all of these assassination plots. Yep. While she's gone, she appoints Jar Jar as kind of her representative in the Senate and then Palps just kind of immediately uh, manipulates Jar Jar to kind of give him like pro Marcus ability. Yeah. No, that's, that's a different story. Um, <laughs> basically, basically he, he tricks Jar Jar into giving him like these like wartime powers that basically makes him a dictator. Yeah. So Palps is puppeteering this entire thing. Right. While uh, Anakin and Padme are on Naboo, they fall in love. Mm-hmm. They, do their whole thing. I mean, how could they um, not, first of all? Yeah, right? You're going to go, you, you two, about the same age, right. that, you know, like, Anakin has straight up confessed his love for this woman. Mm-hmm. Go, no one's going to be around you, and I need you to go hide. Yeah. Secluded. Also, by the way, this is the person that they are most, like, scared of messing up his training, right? Because they're <laughs> right. like, his yeah. midichlorian counts ridiculous. Like, he's going to destroy the universe or something. Yeah. So, okay, so but it'll be fine. side plug... Yeah, quick side plug for Clone Wars here. They 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 fix this plot a little bit because Obi Wan in Clone Wars, you find out kind of had a similar story where he had this love interest mm. um, when he was a Padawan, and I think that you know he understood how that kind of affected him, and I think that there was a little bit of string pulling by Obi Wan to try and recreate that situation for Anakin. Gotcha. Uh, so so yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so they're in hiding now. <laughs> so yeah, they're in hiding now in plain sight um, on the one planet where everyone would look for her. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> that, yeah, that's dumb. Just go to any other planet. Go to Kashyyyk, right? Like, just go just, hide in space. You guys have space. Like you can hide anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Literally there, there is no, there is no other. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Anyways. So they, they fall in love. They kindle this love uh, relationship. So while this is happening, Anakin kind of throughout the whole series or about throughout this entire episode has been having these like dreams, these premonitions of his mother dying. Yeah. And so he, he's which, very like, <laughs> which okay, by well, the way, the way that like Obi-Wan tells him to deal with that is he's like, dreams will pass. <laughs> and so will your mother. Um, 
Oh, man. Yeah, so so Anakin has this whole dream sequence where these premonitions where he, he believes that his mother is going to die. And so they end up going, uh, or him and Padme end mm-hmm. up going back to Tatooine. And he learned, Anakin learns that his mother, which um, another funny kind of note is that you actually don't learn Anakin's mother name until Attack of the Clones. So mm. Shmi is not mentioned until... <laughs> episode two so like she's she has a lot of screen time in phantom minutes you just don't know her name That's right. um, but whatever that. yeah so so anakin learns that shmi has been taken by these tuscan raiders and anakin goes on this rescue mission create or commits like a light genocide type thing mm-hmm. situation that goes down he kills the men the women and the children which not a great look um for him especially right after he's like yeah i mean like dictatorship sounds pretty good right we just (laughs) he's already like kind of into fascism just like a little you know just like soft core fascism (laughs) yeah (laughs) slightly fascist light genocide i'm just saying these are red flags that's that's all i'm trying to say padme should have noticed this well she says like three times you're making me uncomfortable (laughs) (laughs) but Anakin spits game. He's got so that rat tail, around. man. He's got that rat tail. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Mm. Mm. All right. Got him. So, <laughs> so, so, yeah. So they go to Tatooine. They kind of get a distress call because Obi-Wan's made his way to Geonosis, which is where kind of a lot of the droids are being manufactured. Mm-hmm. And so he, Anakin at this point, the council, the Jedi council tells him to stay in place and not go help Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. And Anakin at this point is still trying to follow the Jedi Council's orders, right? Mm-hmm. He he's not he's not as rebellious as Qui-Gon, right? Qui-Gon is kind of like made out to be like this person that never really followed any orders, but he's just like really good at what he does, so they kind of look the other way. Yeah. And Obi-Wan is similar to that and Anakin is like way too far. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But so he, he's still trying to find that Padme kind of forces his hand like Padme's like, well, I'm going to Geonosis and you're supposed to protect me. So you're coming to Geonosis, too. <laughs> um, and so they end up going. There's a big fight. They look yeah. like they're going to lose. Yoda swoops in with the, the newly mm-hmm. uh, created clone troopers and begun the Clone Wars has. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of I don't know if that was can be considered the quick recap of. Right attack of the clones but that that's kind of what's going on right but you can see how there's a lot going on right plot wise there's a there's too much going on there's There's too much much. george lucas says over and over star wars is supposed to be for kids and it's like uh, (laughs) how how is a kid supposed to follow this right (laughs) um but yeah attack no absolutely no nobody knows what's happening right this episode is more integral to the story but i think it's actually a worse movie than phantom menace right like i like the dialogue just everything that's going on i think it's worse than the phantom menace but it's more critical to the story yeah yeah for sure the other thing i think that happens right at the end of attack on i see now i'm saying attack on the clones it's because of attack on titan yeah yeah yeah. attack of the clones is right at the end of the movie you get a shot of palpatine sort of like launching the the clone army right and it is the first time in the prequels that you hear the Imperial March played. 
Ooh, yeah. That's a fun little bit of trivia, right? So you see like, yep. you see the like Star Destroyers like taking off. You see like the clone army marching and he is kind of like hooded and it's a very red sunset and it's meant to look like this is actually the start of the empire, right? The, start, the empire hasn't officially started yet. That's going to happen at Order 66 and everything like it's going to happen later. But this right. moment is kind of like, okay, this is the Imperial March is playing. He is like pretty much coming to his power at this point. Yep. We're getting there. It's actually, the story is starting to get interesting now that we are four hours into the prequel series. Right. 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 <laughs> All right. So, so episode three <laughs> starts off. And one, again, one thing that I want oh, yeah. to kind of mention before we start into episode three, because the, the bridge from episode two to episode three is when the Clone Wars TV show takes place. Mm-hmm. And so... I am really glad that they put that out there because the the jump from two to three just does not make any sense, right? Like, absolutely, they, there's just a lot. There's there's too much going on. But one of the things that I want to point out is that Anakin has started to lose a lot in in Attack of the Clones. So he lost Qui Gon, mm-hmm. which is his master, the person that rescued him from poverty, from slavery in Phantom Menace. He lost his mother in Attack of the Clones, and this is going to be a reoccurring theme that really starts to trigger his descent into the dark side right Um, his like fear of loss yeah yes which is huge for him so and that's a really good point actually because in attack of the clones when he is on tatooine and he's dealing with the loss of his mother one thing he says is i'm going to become so powerful to prevent the people i love from dying or something like that right right yep that's like the first time that you see the key into like how he is going to be manipulated into into turning so you're right really important plot elements that happen there yep okay it's um, a slow burn. It's a slow burn. It's a slow burn. <laughs> episode Until three. Revenge, and it's very quick. And then it's very quick, yeah. Um, so episode three, I'm again going to go back to the crawl because there's a couple of like really confusing things, right? Again, it starts out and it just says war with an exclamation mark. And you're like, yes, sweet. We're better. <laughs> awesome thing. Hey, Let's is, do this it. This isn't as bad. Yeah. You know, like the Republic is crumbling under the attacks of the ruthless Sith Lord Count Dooku. And you're like, Ruth, I mean, he's okay. whatever. That's fine. Um, and then it says yeah. there are heroes on both sides. And it's like I didn't expect I don't to see hear a problem with that. I don't expect to hear a both sides argument in a Star Wars movie. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Well, I mean, okay, du- Dooku has some redeeming qualities. He was a Jedi. He he won't be able to he- murder anybody. Trust me, Padme. Yeah. I'm Mace Windu. <laughs> yeah. I know for a fact Dooku won't be able to hurt anyone. <laughs> You're fucking right, wrong, yeah. Mace Windu. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, no, that that's a that's a tough look. For George, right there. I'm, yeah. I'm just gonna go ahead and say that again. Like editing, I don't know. And then it says evil is everywhere. And it's like I get that. That that makes sense. Right? <laughs> I understood. Yep. Yep. And then you're like the fiendish droid leader, General Grievous, and you're like who? Like who's this guy? Yep. He swept in and he kidnapped Chancellor Palpatine, and you're like what? <laughs> that seems like <laughs> this a big dude should deal. be the most protected person in in the whole galaxy. In the whole galaxy. I'm just like he's a big deal. <laughs> Like, who is this Joker, and how did he capture Palpatine, and why <laughs> right. is this not being covered within the content of the movies, right? Now, it's actually covered in Clone <laughs> right. Wars, I believe. I mean, you can correct it me is. if I'm wrong. Okay. Um, but it's just like a jarring, like, again, it, it, they're attempting to drop us in media res, right? They want to drop us into this space battle that's happening, and it's like, okay, that's, like, cool. And actually, the space battle that starts out is actually, like, it's decent. Like, it's, I like it. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah it has some cool. really cool stuff going on. And you see, like, Anakin kind of, like, fully realized a little bit, you know? And he's, like, he's a really good pilot. And he's has, like, compassion. He's trying to save people. He's, like, now starting to be a little bit rebellious against orders. And you're, like, okay, like, this is, like, it's kind of Anakin. Now, this is pod racing. This is pod racing, right? It's, like, Anakin <laughs> time right now. And, and you can really see kind of his skill bump, right? Yeah. Like, in Attack of the Clones, he's, like, this angsty teenager. This is three years after 
Um, so I think Attack of the Clones started in like 22 BBY and then the Clone Wars ended in 19 BBY. So it's a, it's a roughly about three years, mm. but those have been three hard years. I yeah. mean, like he's years a general yeah. in the war, right? So he is on the job training right now. <laughs> he, he knows what's going, he, he knows what's happening. So, right. so yeah, I mean, he, my power level has doubled since the last time we met. That's probably not an understatement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just a t- terrible way to phrase it, but it is not an understatement. <laughs> um, okay. So Obi-Wan and Anakin are apparently the only people who want to rescue the chancellor for some reason. So they're the ones that are doing it. Everybody mm-hmm. else is just doing something yep. else. They're like busy. I don't know. They had a meeting. So, <laughs> but anyways, Obi-Wan and Anakin are like going to go rescue the most important person in the universe. So as a part of that, they like do it. They fight people anakin there ends up being this intense kind of rematch against like dooku um which is a little bit surprising because like dooku was the kind of the main bad guy in the last movie and so they like fight and actually anakin ends up just like decapitating dooku like right at the start of the movie and you're like oh which is brutal it is pretty brutal but there's a couple weird things about it that i want to touch on the first is okay again that you're killing a they was killing a bad guy so early in the movie right was very surprising because you're like well why was he even kind of kept around and you're really struggling at this point with bad guys, right? Because we've kind of gone through Maul, who was introduced and killed off almost immediately. You went through Dooku, who had like basically no character development in Attack of the Clones. He was just kind of around doing things until like the final fight where he like kind of had a little bit, but even then not really, he's just kind of tr- like shown to be strong. And at the start of the third movie, they kill him. And you're like, well, now I don't have like a bad guy anymore. You know, <laughs> right. like I guess they just really yeah. wanted to focus on Palpatine. But at the same time, they're introducing General Grievous, the third minor bad guy of the series. <laughs> Every movie gets one apparently. Yep. Right. Oh gosh, that's the first problem. Yet another all plot holes that are fixed with Clone Wars. Just throwing that out there, I will continue to plug it. <laughs> Just <laughs> Dave Filoni had a job set out for him. <laughs> and he that's for sure. delivered. That's that, for sure. I'm just saying. The second but No, I, I totally I totally agree with all of those points, right? Like if you're just looking at the anthology films, it doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in media res works so well at the start of a trilogy, right? At the start of episode four, it works really well. You're in it. You don't want to do in media res as the, in the middle of a story that you're trying to tell. Yeah. That just confuses everybody and makes it frustrating for the watchers. For sure. For sure. Cause like, what the heck is going on? The second thing that happens when Anakin kills Dooku, I think the audience is supposed to believe that it's a bad thing. Right. But the series to this point has not shown that that is a bad thing in the first okay. movie. Obi Wan kills Mace Wind or kills Mace Windu, <laughs> kills Darth Maul. Right? <laughs> Plot twist. Right, and he doesn't actually kill him. We all, yeah. we all know that now. But the point is, like, it's not shown to be a bad thing. It's shown to be him winning, like, the fight. Right. Like, okay. Throughout yeah. the prequels, they have not set up that killing people is a bad thing. Like, you're not supposed to. What is he supposed to like capture him? Right. Like that. That is not really how they've like framed it up. They are trying to use it as like him starting to like turn to the dark. Oh, he's willing to kill. And it's like, is he willing yeah. to kill or was he just taught that by the Jedi? Like they seem perfectly willing to do it. You know, I don't think that no, Yoda okay. was going to not kill Dooku. I, I just, it doesn't right. make a lot of sense to me. Okay. No, I want to talk about this because I, I, I think that it's an interesting contrast. And so the, the difference there is that Maul was killed in battle. Whereas the difference with Dooku is he was a helpless person. Like he had him in the, it grips to take him prisoner, which does happen in Clone Wars, right? Dooku is captured, he escapes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but what it does is it sets up the contrast when Dooku's on his knees, Anakin has the lightsabers, the choices that he makes, and then he realizes that that is a bad decision. And then later in the film, he sees Mace in the exact same situation with Palpatine, 
on you know on his back mace mm-hmm. is going to kill palpatine and he's already registered that is not the decision that a jedi is supposed to make and i think that is one of the things that triggers him to say no this is wrong because he's helpless right now mm-hmm. which is a manipulation by palpatine but i think that that is why that scene is in the movie mm. because i think the jedi way is to only kill if you're defending yourself and if you're in a situation that is totally under your control at with a helpless prisoner that is not the jedi way and that goes to kind of shift anakin's view of oh shit one of the leaders the one of the members of the jedi council one of the leaders of the jedi council mace windu is breaking their own rules at this point the jedi are evil and i think that is that scene is in there to just play that contrast to kind of put you in Anakin's mind to understand why he made that decision to kill Mace. Right. I think that the the idea of trying to tie that to the later scene is really good. My problem is like okay, if you're if you're going to believe that like the Jedi in the original trilogy never kill anyone, right? Like there's not there's not this like they're flying around and I guess I I'm saying never, but you know, only a Sith talks in absolutes. So I shouldn't say never. <laughs> Obi-Wan is the Sith (laughs) right exactly Um, so I shouldn't say never um, but Obi-Wan wins a fight against Vader by not fighting right like Yoda like goes through his training and he has a focus on the force not on lightsaber skills right like he's not like training Luke to use a lightsaber that's not the point right Luke later wins his fight against Palpatine by again not fighting right like this is what we're known in the original trilogy to like trilogy to be the Jedi way and so now they're setting up this concept that Oh, you can only kill in battle. This like super specific rule that Anakin is like, like now kind of like breaking, I guess, and that that's what's making him. I just, I think that the whole, I think that they really, as as a whole, they've sort of bastardized the the Jedi a little bit. Like they they take away some of the things that we saw as really important to what makes a Jedi in the original trilogy, and they're showing. And I think some of this actually may be intentional. Like it's not some of it may not be a mistake, but they're showing like a bureaucracy and this focus on the code, yeah, and, and yeah. all this stuff that really is kind of like bringing on on the downfall of the Jedi. And I don't think I actually think that that's not inherently a bad idea. I I can see that, and I understand why it's a good thing to go ahead and kill the. You know, the threat that's in front of you, mm-hmm. Palpatine kind of manipulates it so that it happens. But I, I can kind of see how that wasn't set up. And I, I can see your argument. I, I yep. understand that. I, I literally think it was in there just to draw that parallel to Mace yeah. and Palps. Yeah. Yeah. And, so. that, and that may be that may be a fair point. Um, so anyway, so let's move on past the first five minutes. Of the movie. <laughs> yeah, um, that's fair. So Anakin ends up getting appointed to the council by Palpatine as like his envoy or something because he needs more power. Um, and, and he's like, so he's like not granting to the rank of master. Right? He gets really upset about it's that. Outrageous. It's outrageous. It's unfair. It's unfair. Obi-Wan then goes to kill Grievous. Like that's his actual plan and his point, And he like accomplishes that, right? Again, a little bit confusing. Maybe yeah. it's done in battle, but like, does he really stand a chance? This Joker has like four arms. Like what's he going to do? <laughs> um, right. Yoda then goes to Kashyyyk for some unnecessary fan service, in my opinion. They just want to show Wookiees. There's not actually like a plot point to why Yoda goes to Kashyyyk. No, no, no. The plot point is that he couldn't be killed because he shows up in episode four. <laughs> that, the, <laughs> he was crawling, the reason for that is because he was crawling around in vents later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> and he's self-declared yeah. exile yeah yeah but anyways i mean you're right like but like he's on kashik there's clones there's, i don't know he goes to kashik for fan service and some, you know, <laughs> right whatever palpatine has this whole uh temptation of anakin and they, he's playing off what nelson touched on earlier that there is this fear that hey your wife might die um and, and like what are you going to do about right. that right and he's like starting he's that's having kind of the same end. dreams mm-hmm. he's having the same dreams that he had about his mother right right and anakin is almost like Lord Voldemort 
in in this sense, right? I'm yeah. reading through Harry Potter, but he wants to be so powerful that he can conquer death. Mm-hmm. And have you ever heard the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? I don't think so. It's not a not a story the Jedi would tell. <laughs> but <laughs> but dude, Palps is a smooth talker. He like I, the the political maneuvering that Palpatine does, it I just think is really interesting. And how yeah. he's you know controlling both sides of the war and how it helps him to kind of prolong the war. And it's just it's just yeah. a really interesting theme. It is. And um, I, I think actually right after we finish this, I think we need to just touch briefly on tracing Palpatine's thread through the story. Yeah, I would love that. That is a main thing that you totally miss unless you like really break it down after watching, having watched all three. And it's one of the main problems with the trilogy is that it does not tell that story well. And it's the most important thing that's happening. Yeah. Okay. So we'll just kind of fly through the end because basically there's a bunch of action that kind of like falls out as a, as a, as a result of this. Right. Um, So Anakin like, kind of realizes uh, that, well, first of all, the Jedi council believe that Palpatine's being kind of shady part of Anakin's appointment is like what gives them that that's fair uh, you know gives them that impression so they tell Anakin to kind of like investigate him he like reports to Mace he realizes that that Palpatine is in fact a Sith Lord um, when they're like talking about all this stuff so he tells Mace about it Mace comes and he subdues Palpatine right there's this like fight purple lightsaber versus red Um, yes like uh, Nelson said the moment that Anakin switches to the dark side is when Mace is about to kill Palpatine and I hadn't thought about what you said earlier, but this is probably a connection to his earlier where he thinks that it's wrong to kill a defenseless man, for one. For two, he sees a tie to his way to save Padme slipping away. Yes. And that's the main thing I think that turns him is he responds in an... He's basically saving Padme. He's not saving Palpatine. He's trying to save Padme. Yep. um, Because he has this inherent fear of losing people he loves and he doesn't know how to process that. Um, So he cuts off Mace's hand um, and then Palpatine throws him through a window and he dies. Goodbye, <laughs> motherfucker. Unlimited power. He zaps him real um. good and throws him out the window. <laughs> <laughs> right. Ah, oh, sad day. So then Order 66 is executed. Um, Palps had this all set up. The clones turn on the Jedi. They start to kill himself. Palpatine kind of declares himself emperor. The Senate support that. And I would appreciate actually maybe a little bit of, if you know, this is a point that has always been super cloudy to me. Like why the Senate is okay with all of the Jedi being killed. I've never really made that connection. So I, I think it's mainly because it's not really touched on a lot, but the way that I have rationalized it in my mind is that Palpatine has set it up so that the Jedi, he spun this tale so that the Jedi are trying to take over. Mm-hmm. And so in order for them not to take over, he needs to, he has the best interest of the Senate in mind. He has the history here. He has yeah. that. He, he wants to take over. to. Per- he is the Senate. It's treason then. Um, <laughs> God, I can't stop. Um, but but it's 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 kind of like the evil you know versus the evil you don't. And right. so he has spun this tale to say, hey, the Jedi attacked me. They are trying to take over you, and they don't have your best interests in mind, and I do. Yeah. And that that's kind of how I see it happening, mm-hmm. because yeah, he's he's just a he's he's a silver tongue, right? He's right. just he, he's pulling the strings. He he knows exactly what to say. He he let me. There's there's no way. That Mace could beat Palpatine. That that's just not pop- possible. Palpatine would straight up murder Mace Windu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he threw the fight so that Anakin would then kill Mace to go ahead and make that full transition to the dark side. He For had sure. it in control the entire time. For and sure. so he's lost all like two apprentices that... over the course of the series, right? right. And <laughs> rule of two, like he really needs another one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> kill him. Kill him now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And uh, but, dude, the the line, I think it's Padme that delivers it, right? That's like, 
this is how democracy dies amidst like thunderous applause, right? Like, yeah. honestly, that's a really good line. And it, that, oh yeah, that George's best dialogue, right? Like, <laughs> it's a little cheesy, but like kind of in the right way. But the yeah, movie is I, like so like memed already, you know? It's like, and the whole <laughs> series to this point, you're already like right. not taking it seriously enough. And honestly, also because you're kind of not really understanding what's happening at the same time. Like you don't really, like it right. happens and you're like, I don't really know what just happened, you know? Like <laughs> that the like yeah. the gravity of it's like lost and it's such a shame because it like, I don't know, it could have been so iconic in a good way and now it's iconic in like a meme, you know? Yeah, I think Padme, when she says that, She's like the one person that's not deceived by Palpatine, right? right. So, I mean, like they, they've all been seduced by Palpatine in the sense of, hey, this is going to be our savior. He's had this unlimited power for so long and right. it's gone so well. We're winning the war. Now the Jedi are trying to take it over. He knows what he's doing. Right. He has our best interest in mind. The first Galactic Empire sounds like a cool cool idea uh, <laughs> and and padme is there to root you and like hey that's actually that's that's not great that's not like, great guys. what he's saying is not it doesn't that's have a not good a good look. look and she's looking yeah. back like i remember when anakin was talking to me about this on our first date <laughs> yeah <laughs> getting flashbacks okay so anyways so then we're basically in the following action at this point anakin who is now vader helps uh eliminate all the younglings right and he's it's the second genocide of children that he goes through in the series <laughs> eh, you know <laughs> He's getting pretty comfortable with it. You've done one. You've done them all. You've done one. Yeah, exactly. The second one's, <laughs> you know, first one's the hardest. Second one's a lot easier. <laughs> That's um, so bad. <laughs> Obi-Wan ends up confronting him on Mustafar, right? They have their fight. Obi-Wan wins because he has the high ground because that's really important in like the Jedi, you know, combat system yep. Um, yep. that has been well established at this point. <laughs> Palpatine battles Yoda on Coruscant. <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> that happens, what? I guess. It did happen. Yeah. I'm not the only one. Uh, this was actually something in my research. Um, and and we, we uh, something we haven't mentioned yet. We did a lot of research for this. And we're going to be posting a lot of that in the show notes um, because we, we certainly don't mean to just blindly plagiarize all of this information. We are, you know, we, we definitely have people that are playing into this. And one thing that was kind of taught to me or that I, that I hadn't maybe really thought about is when I was a kid, it was the coolest thing that Yoda was flipping around with the lightsaber, right? It was like, oh man, this is so awesome. Yeah, right. But in retrospect, like that really ruins his character, you know, because he's really shown to be like the wise jedi right he's like 800 right. something years old like he's way older than all the mm -hmm. other jedi everybody looks up to him he like should not be flipping around in the middle of like the senate floor with palpatine with a lightsaber like that's not his role i don't know i just really don't like that scene but anyway so then he, like yoda like they kind of fight to a draw yoda falls down ends up in like a grate in like the air duct system <laughs> and decides right. that like he needs to go into exile like he lost that fight um so now it's over yeah. there's no point he doesn't need to go try and fight him again <laughs> he doesn't need to try and right. meet up with somebody who might still be alive and try and like form a rebel resistance no he needs to go into exile and he, he just kind of gives up and it's like well that's not really the yoda that i know you know and i don't i don't really another like plot hole that's fixed by the clone wars just i'm just gonna oh, keep man. saying it so <laughs> oh. Um, oh. yeah 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 nope but yeah totally totally get that so it, it's been established in canon that like the the best swordsmen that have gone through the Jedi Council or the Jedi organization in like this time period are Yoda, Mace, and Count Dooku. Mm -hmm. So it, it's kind of interesting. While it's not really his first priority, I think it is kind of cool to see that he doesn't need to resort to sword fighting because he is so wise. Yeah. So yeah, I I enjoy it. I still enjoy it. I still like yeah. seeing Yoda. 
And I think that the intent was like, we're going to have the head of each order fight each other, right? Like we're going to have the head Sith and the head Jedi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get out at the end of the movie. Right. That's what climaxes are. Climaxes are supposed to be fights, right? That's why there's a fight at the end of every movie. That's another thing that is, we, you know, have talked about having a problem with like climaxes don't have to be fights, Um, but they choose to do that. They choose to give it to Yoda. Okay. That happens. Whatever. We'll move on. Um, The last thing that happens is that the twins are born. Padme dies of a broken heart because the fact that she just had twins is not enough to give her a reason to live. So she dies instead. Yep. And then the twins are hidden. Um, the girl is becomes a princess. The boy becomes a water farmer or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's not great. It's not great. Um, <laughs> and so I actually don't know if this is canon. It may be, but I think it's implied that Palpatine uses Padme's life force to bring Anakin to save Anakin. So he basically kills Padme to save Anakin. I've heard this theory. Not of a broken. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've heard this theory. My problem with it is that that mechanic was not established at the time of the writing of the movie. <laughs> I think that that is yeah. a reneg to fill a plot hole, and I don't accept it. Because and what Nelson's talking uh, about, right, right, is in the sequel series, there's all this like, oh, you know, Darth Plagueis the Wise actually did figure out how to transfer life force. And so that's what right. Plagueis, or that's what Sidious did, right? He transferred uh, Padme's life force into Anakin to keep her alive. And that's why he says, you killed her, right? And it's kind of like, I don't know, you right. needed her life yeah. force, and I took it. <sighs> but that, I don't know. I don't know if I can take it. I don't know if I can take that. I don't think that George. Really no, thought of that that's, yet. that's fair. Nope. No, one hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. So I, I kind of my head canon, which is completely not real canon. My head canon is that Padme actually did not die, and that she was actually taken to Alderaan to kind of like live in, like in parallel with Leia mm. to like be there, but also not be the tool that Anakin could use. Mm. And then she was blown up with the Death Star. So that, that's my head cannon. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, enough. that's my head cannon. So. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm sure George will listen to this and, and let me know if I'm I'm right. So Yeah, yeah I'm sure. I'm sure George <laughs> listens to our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so anyways, so that <laughs> is the plot of the threes. You now understand why we could not do 30-second summaries, and I hope you learned something because <laughs> right. that's why we had to do this. It's just to kind of spell out what the hell is going on in right. this trilogy, yeah, yeah. right? We had kind of talked about how we wanted to trace Palpatine's yes. kind of like manipulation throughout the entire story. Mm -hmm. You said that, so you go ahead and kick us off on that, on this tangent. I think once you understand what Palpatine is trying to do, the story like falls into place and you understand what the story was supposed to be telling you, right? Like what it was trying to accomplish. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So it's the story of Palpatine's rise to power. As much as it is the fall of Anakin to Vader, it's the story of Palpatine's rise to power. This is actually one of like only three or four things that the prequels needed to accomplish. Like there are very few things that actually they needed to do. And they, one of the main things was show how Palpatine came to power. So in the Phantom Menace, he is attempting a couple of things. He's attempting to garner, like the ongoing thing is that he's just trying to get support out of the, trade federation because he has ties to them and he's just trying to like kind of backroom corrupt deal his way into like getting them more financial power because that benefits yep. him. I, I I think there's this debate between is Palpatine can Palpatine basically see the future or is it just like a really good opportunist, right? I personally yeah, fall into yeah, yeah. the way that is presented in the story of the three movies, I believe that he's just a really good opportunist. I don't think he has this master I, I agree with that. Yeah. Um but he sees the opportunity, right, to 
kind of promote himself from just Senator of Naboo, which is actually his home planet, if you didn't know that. That's like where he's from. Yep. Um, I know you know that. I'm just the listener. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> to promote himself to Chancellor, right? He kind of like sees a way that he could do, well, if I was Chancellor, I would help you, you know? And then all of a sudden, yeah. like, that's what he kind of gets out of the Phantom Menace. But the Phantom Menace, if you remember, is like 10 years before he's actually like even trying to think about making moves. Like he is just kind of trying to ramp up his power. He may... He actually, well, actually, we know he does have a master plan because at this point he actually has already started, right, the production of the clone army, or at least that happens soon after. Because the clone army has been being made f- for like years by the time that it is accessed by the Jedi think, in Attack of the Clones, right? I think it's right after the Phantom Menace is, is when Sifo-Dyas kind of starts that. I, I could be completely off, but oh, wait, regardless, no. it's right around that same time. No, actually, you are right. And the reason that I know that you're right is because um, the... Obi-Wan or somebody hears the name Tyrannus um, in reference to the plans to create the clone army, and he doesn't know who that is, right? Right. We learn yeah. later, at the end of the Clone Wars, the Clone Wars, <laughs> I'm doing it again, at the end of Attack of the Clones, um, yeah. when between a conversation between Dooku and Sidious, that he refers to him as Tyrannus, and you learn, oh, that's his Sith name, so the Sith have planned this. Um, but you're right, the reason that it is actually after um, the Phantom Menace is because he wasn't an apprentice yet, right? He was. It was yeah. Rule of Two, it currently it was Maul. So, yep. But anyway, shortly after that yeah. is when okay, he kind of yeah. launches cool. this master plan, um, or at least maybe he had ideas we don't really know. But like that's kind of where it starts to like come into power. So really, there's not a lot of his plans going on in the Phantom Menace, except for that he's trying to manipulate to get more power for the Fade Trade Federation, who he controls. And I I think that you know kind of tying it into our board game talk, like mm. uh, Sidious has this incredible strategy, but he's also really good at his tactics. Mm-hmm. So he knows where he needs to get. He kind of knows the big plays he needs to make in order to become Supreme Chancellor. Right. But he is just able to, he's very patient and he can seize on the opportunities when they arise. Right. Absolutely. Over the course of the 10 years that pass, um, he starts the separatist movement. Um, and I actually, we didn't touch <laughs> right? on this, but I think this is really funny for a couple of reasons. One, he's like trying to take over the galaxy. So he decides to split it in two, right? That is some yeah. 3D chess, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> right, yeah. Holy cow. Um, that is right. like, that is some master play. And it ends up actually working out. It's actually not a bad idea. But the thing that I find funny about it is like at the beginning, the separatists are framed as like, oh, they're trying to leave the Republic. Boo, we don't like that. And it's like, okay, but that's the plot of like all the other Star Wars movies. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, that's like, a good point. You're following really the rebels. Point, yeah. Like the rebels are the good guys, but now the rebels are trying to leave <laughs> and that's bad. And we don't like that because we yeah. like Palpatine. Yep. Yeah, and one of the things that I love about the Clone Wars is that there's a mini arc where Anakin, actually not Anakin, but Ahsoka, Anakin's Padawan, mm. goes and spends time with some of the Separatists, and she's like, "Oh, like yeah. she's been so prop propagandized that that's now a word if it wasn't before um, mm. that the Separatists are bad, they're these evil people," and she goes and spends time with them, and they're like, and and I think she even has a line like, "You're normal." Right, mm-hmm. like you, you're normal people, and like, so it's, it's just interesting how propaganda is used to kind of separatists are bad, right? And it kind of even works on the viewer, right? Rebels are good in the OG, separatists are bad in the prequels, right? Whereas those are the same people, yeah. Exactly. So I that that's a really interesting parallel that I never really thought about. Yeah, and I, and I was joking. I we were teasing earlier about. Uh, in the in the crawl, the opening crawl for the, uh, episode three, how it says there are like basically good guys on both sides right and right. Uh, we were kind of teasing that but actually the way and i believe that this is played out more in the well it's certainly not played out in the movies i believe that it is it is played into in the clone wars um 
is that is that they are actually for the most part it's being led by bad people like count dooku and like these bad people in like the super high level yeah but the people that they're getting to join the movement are actually just normal planets right they're just normal people right. who yeah. are tired of all this corruption and all the like wheeling and dealing and bullshit that happens in the senate and they don't like it and they want to like split off and they want to have like a more representative you know government or whatever and like inherently that's not a bad thing right Palpatine now starts the separatist movement. He has Count Dooku as like the figurehead of it because like he's an obvious bad guy. And if he dies, eh, it's not me. So it's not really that big of a deal. <laughs> um, meanwhile, he controls this other army, right? He has the clone army being built in the background that also actually Dooku kind of like helped like set up. But that's beside the point, right? So they both know that this is the plan. They're going to like split the galaxy in two. They're going to have them all fight. And Palpatine's like, out of that, somehow I'm going to like come out on top and everybody's going to come back and I'm to me and I'm going to be the emperor. Like that's my plan, right? Yeah. The reason that Padme is trying to be is under threat of assassination at the start of the movie of the attack of the clones is because she is opposing the creation of an army to defend themselves to, for the Republic to defend themselves. Right. She is against that. Yeah. And she is like kind of putting together a movement to stop that from happening. Yeah. Because I kind of what Padme believes is that if you have an army, you need to justify having an army by using the army, mm. right? And so kind of what the, the camp that she's in is if we don't have an army, the separatists don't, I mean, they have the battle droids, but like, you know, there hasn't been this whole fight. And so like the creation of the army justifies having the army. So we're going to create a war because we have an army almost, right? right? Like it's, it, th this is kind of the mentality that she's looking at. Right. Because to this point, there has not been a real aggression by the separatists. Like all they've tried to do is leave. Right. Like that's all that's the main thing that they're trying to do. Right. We want to do it our way. You can do it your way. Right. And we'll we'll just kind of hang out and it, it's fine. Right. But and so she's kind of like gathering some momentum behind this. And Palpatine's like, you know, what? I'm just going to kill her. This is like not worth my time. Anymore. Right? <laughs> this is annoying. So then I, I honestly I'm, I'm glad that you let me talk about this because I really wanted to touch on this point. This is awful storytelling, okay, at its finest. Palpatine decides that Padme needs to die, so he tells Dooku to kill Palpatine, but Dooku doesn't want to do it, right? So Dooku tells Django to do it. Django doesn't want to do it, so he tells the Changeling <laughs> to do it. The Changeling doesn't want to do it, so the Changeling tells the robot to do it. The robot doesn't want to do it, so the robot drills holes in a window and releases centipedes, <laughs> so the centipedes will kill fucking Padme. Yes. Yep. <laughs> then, that, none of that works, fair. right? So the assassin the changeling runs away right there's this opportunity to have this really cool like changeling like oh the oh okay there's a change i think they're a changeling they go into a bar right oh now they're going to shapeshift and we're not gonna be able to find them really sneaky awesome assassin stuff right and then the, the changeling doesn't do that the changeling <laughs> tries to kill the jedi both of them at the same time that's that's the actual plan that's a losing strategy without right changing <laughs> <sighs> yeah. so they escape right they like go out the back alley they end up capturing her then Django kills shows up and kills the changeling Instead of killing the completely defenseless Padme, <laughs> who is still back in her hotel room, in a window, and just like a, yep. a room that has a bunch of windows in it, right? He could just, he actually yep. shoots the changeling, and instead of going and just like shooting Padme, right? And so Padme like lives. <laughs> yeah. I, I I guess the the rationalization that I have in my head is that Dooku actually did, or, I'm sorry, not Dooku, that uh, Sheev didn't actually want to kill Padme because he was going to use Padme as the pawn to turn Anakin. Right, but he's already but trying that's to like, also like a stuff, poor right? rationalization. Yeah, no, it's it's a poor rationalization. I, yeah. I, I admit that. And but, I don't know the exact point where like Palpatine would have reasonably found out that Anakin had like these weird feelings for Padme. Because at the start of Attack of the Clones, 
Well, actually, I should say at the end of Phantom Menace, Anakin is at least on his radar because he says like, we're going to watch your career with great interest or something like that. Right. So yeah. he's like watching yeah, me yeah. like kind of, you know, but like, when does he actually decide Anakin's going to be my boy? Like he's going to replace Dooku because Dooku is kind of lame. So that that is actually described in the comics. Okay. In Attack of the Clones, it's it talks about how Shmi there there was no father. Or actually, this is Phantom Menace. There there is no father for Anakin, right? Right. The comics canonized. I guess it's decanonized now because of Disney. But she actually orchestrated her pregnancy by using the Force, and so mm. he knew from Anakin's birth that he is the chosen one because gotcha. he set it up so that way. So oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, that was yeah. unknown to me. So I don't know when that kind of became his plan of like, oh, maybe if they fall in love or whatever. I personally right. think that it's after that assassination attempt. I think that's when he kind of starts to make the the change of like, oh, okay, like maybe. You know, he maybe, understands how valuable of a pawn she can be. Right, right. In, in yeah. Specifically okay. in yeah, trying yeah. to turn Anakin. Um, I don't know, but that's that's my, my personal thought. So anyways, he bails on trying to kill Padme. He decides I'm not going to do that anymore and that Anakin needs to fall in love with her. Right. Later, there's like this weird plot to kill her again, right? In like the stadium. Um, I don't know if that's a Dooku thing or a Sheev thing. Probably a Dooku <laughs> thing. Yeah. Know, that like he, she's in danger and she's going to die again. But maybe at this point, he's also like, I don't know if she dies at this point, it's going to be fine because like that will be a traumatic enough event right. that I can use that. Yep. I don't really know. But obviously, like after they leave, the assassination attempts just stop, right? Like she is net, like that is a storyline <laughs> that's just dropped. Like she's never in danger again from like assassination unless she's like, you know, actively like putting herself in danger which she does all the time yeah and and like there there are still assassination attempts throughout the clone war series oh are there that's good to know yeah 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 so but not like i mean like the immediate events (laughs) of attack of the clones you know correct yeah correct yep so so i mean i i still think it's all of this political puppeteering that palpatine is doing right Right. That was a lot of P words. Political puppeteering that Palpatine. Yeah, say that. Sandy sells she shells on the sea. On the okay, cool. yeah, <laughs> okay, so then he spends years and years making the two armies fight, right? And the basic reason that he's doing this is to just yeah. like find ways to increase his own power. No army is like kind of gaining the edge over the other one. He wants just like the war to continue, as far as we can tell. And I think that that kind of ties into human psychology, right? Like with. I think the best way that I can think to describe it is have you seen like the comic of like the guy like walking down the street and he picks up like the team a flag mm-hmm. and then across the street, there's a guy who's like team B and then the guy like looks at his team a goes, man, fuck that guy. Right. right? Like <laughs> I think, I think, I think that's really what is happening is yeah. that he is spending the, the, the three years of the clone wars just segregating the galaxy because it's divide and conquer. Right. Type mentality right and the real failure of the jedi throughout the series is that they are actually just pawns right they are <laughs> yeah they're just pawns in this war like they're just going along with it like anakin's a general everybody's a general all the jedis are generals right in the yep. war they are not actually impacting the decisions of whether or not the war should be fought they are not involved in they are actually executing the war and that is like not the role right. of the jedi like why are they doing that yep Exactly. I, I think that that is a super interesting point because that kind of plays into Anakin's whole ration, rationalization of the Jedi are not doing what the Jedi are supposed to be doing. Absolutely. The, therefore, the Jedi are evil. Yeah. I think Anakin's fall is as much Palpatine's doing as the Jedi. I think it's actually honestly like 50-50. Yeah. The Jedi did not help the situation. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't help. They didn't like stop the situation. And honestly, like where they were at, like we know that they were already in fall, 
right? Like based on right. the story of uh, like the backstory, the prequels to the prequels, basically. Um, that that they have talked about their their connection to the force is diminishing, and they don't understand why. That's a right. That's a thing that like a rhetoric that gets repeated throughout the trilogy. That actually, honestly, would be really interesting to hear more about, and we just don't. Right? It's just like oh, every time like every time Yoda wants to like see the future, he's like much clouded it is by the dark side. I can't see anything. You know, like like that's but his, the Sith aren't back. Yeah, but the Sith aren't back. You know, <laughs> well, no, they know the Sith are back now, right? By the end of the Phantom Menace, they know the yeah, Sith are back. Yeah, yeah. They're like this guy had a red lightsaber. Yeah, he's obviously the Sith. Like. <laughs> and and I'm hoping that the High Republic series that you know they're putting out the books goes into that a little bit more mm-hmm. because it, it is interesting as we've talked about before in the podcast the High Republic series is talking about Jedi when in a single battle they lose fifty to a hundred Jedi which is unfathomable right at the time of Phantom Menace right there right. are fifty Jedi right right and so so I I, I hope that that prequel to the prequel kind of goes into why are we diminishing right. what is going on with with the light side of the force yeah so at that point basically he's just like executing his plan right like he he gets to a point where he's able to convert anakin um and he's able to execute like the orders and his plan kind of just plays out and it works right and he becomes emperor because he is the senate and everything and now he like he's he's ruler of he the whole loves democracy he loves democracy <laughs> if anyone loves democracy it's Sheev. <laughs> Um, so he kills off one of the armies, right? So that he can like unify the galaxy again. And it looks like he's the one who did it. And so he can kind of like claim the yep. credit for that, even though he was just like puppeteering the whole time. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the interesting thing in addition, like, so that's like Palpatine's like grand plan. Right. But he picks up this like side plot along the way of converting Anakin. Right. He's like, he's the chosen one. I need to also make sure right. that like I get him. And this is like a really important thing to him. And, and so I want to talk about kind of like the way that, Palpatine converts Anakin throughout throughout the trilogy. I think this is like a really important okay. plot point. You yeah. Know? So I'm I'm curious. I know that this is like one of the main reasons that you think that the prequel trilogy is successful in 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 its story is like the kind of yeah kind of yeah, this yeah, yeah. happening. So I want you to talk. I want you to talk into it a little bit with the idea that Palpatine kind of orchestrated Anakin's birth mm-hmm. and he has kind of been in it from the start. He knows that he needs to get Anakin on his side so that he can bring balance to the Force. And I be- and what I think that Sheev believes is that Anakin bringing balance to the Force is going to be him joining the dark side, eliminating the Jedi, which kind of is what happens at the end of three. Like it almost seems like the Force is back in balance because the Jedi are diminished and the the Sith are kind of right right neck and neck with the Jedi. The Force, I believe, is actually balanced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I believe that the Force is actually balanced at the end of six when kind of it, it all works out. So Anakin does fulfill the prophecy. And I think that is actually confirmed in rise of skywalker but anyways so with him thinking that anakin is going to bring balance to the force by eliminating the jedi and bringing them to a more significant power level or cohesive power level Mm -hmm. i mean he slow burns it right he he almost kind of ignores anakin and phantom menace and throughout the attack of the clones and especially the clone wars he seduces anakin to make him believe that he can provide him with what Anakin needs and wants, which mm-hmm. is saving Padme. The other thing is like Anakin has these fascist tendencies where he believes that a strong ruler can make the decisions mm-hmm. to to bring about the best interest of everybody in the galaxy, which right. like I, I, I can see why Anakin would think that, right? Like, you know, if you had this altruistic person, 
you wouldn't have to worry about the debates. Whereas like, that's obviously not how it works. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, I can see how Anakin being 19 could think that. Right. And in some sense, he's only seen peace brought about like through shows of strength, right? Like every conflict that he's been a part of up to this point has been resolved by strength, you know? And so it's an understandable why he could see that as like kind of the most important trait that someone could have. Yeah, absolutely. Palpatine kind of is able to orchestrate Dark Plagueis the Wise. He understands how to create life. Palpatine knows what drives Anakin, which is Padme. Yeah. And he knows throughout Attack of the Clones, Clone Wars, and Revenge of the Sith, how he can play into that to kind of, on two fronts, say, I can provide what you want, which is to save Padme, and so distrust in the Jedi Council. And I think that kind of culminates to you know, him seducing Anakin so that he can then fall. Yeah, definitely. And I think the other big part of it that plays into that, that comes from the Jedi side that I think is again, just an example of Palpatine's like uh, opportunism is that there is this, there's this weird rhetoric going on that exists throughout the trilogy that Jedi are not allowed to feel emotions. Like the first yeah. thing that Yoda, like the most important Jedi, as far as anybody can tell, he's the only Jedi that we really right. recognize in the series. So the audience is definitely the like listening to him and wanting his perspective. Like the first thing that we hear him say about Anakin is that he's afraid and that that's a bad thing for some reason. This like nine year old who's like right. stripped off of his planet and stripped away from his mom, right? And he's like scared and missing his mom. And that's an understandable thing to fear or to feel. And Yoda says, you know, much fear I, I sense in you. And he's like, and that's like, it's like said as if that's a bad thing. Like, oh, you're so dangerous because you're afraid because you miss your mommy. And it's like, what the hell, Yoda? Like, that's a really <laughs> terrible thing to say. And then there's, again, yeah. this like consistent where o- Obi-Wan is like, hey, you know, dreams will pass, you know? Um, and, he, and he's right. like, you, uh, you need to learn, like Yoda or somebody, or maybe it's Obi-Wan, at some point says like, you need to learn to let go of these things that you're afraid of, right? Yeah. Which inherently is like maybe not bad advice. Like it's, you know what I mean? Like there's, but the way that it's presented is in a sense of you should not feel these things. Right. After, after the death of Shmi, Anakin talks about, he's like, I just feel so angry. And Padme says something to him along the lines of like, it's human to feel anger. Right. And she's trying to kind of validate him. Like, Hey, your mom like just died. Like, it's totally okay to feel angry about that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah, And he, and Anakin says like, I'm a Jedi. I'm supposed to be better than this. And it's this really powerful image into like what has been impressed upon Anakin as to how he's supposed to feel. He's supposed to be above and better than emotions. And all the Jedi are supposed to be these like super detached monks that don't feel anything. Even though like Obi-Wan is like obviously all the time getting like frustrated and angry and upset with (laughs) Anakin, like that happened annoyed even. That happens all the time. But he's allowed to feel that, but Anakin's not, right? And she comes in and starts to like validate those emotions, right? And he starts to like say it's okay to feel these things and play to Anakin on like an emotional level and not even like playing up his emotions or or, like gaslighting them or anything, but just saying like, that's okay. And Anakin's like so starved for that that he like buys it. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. I think that the Jedi at this point have almost boiled it down to taking the words and extracting the single meaning from them. So like, you know, like fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, hate leads to suffering, right? That probably does make some sense, but you also have to teach people how to deal deal with fear or else they're going to end up like Anakin where, you know, he's afraid to lose his master Qui-Gon. He's afraid to lose Shmi. He's afraid to lose Padme. Mm -hmm. And it turns into like, I cannot feel this. And so when someone offers the comfort that Palpatine did, 
you know, he, he latches onto that and, you know, he's able to be seduced. So it's almost yep. like this radicalism of the ideals of the Jedi. Right. Where they, they, they've swung too far. They need to teach people how to deal with human emotions and not just shut them out because that's not going to do good for anybody. Right. And I think that as a concept, like as an idea, is not a bad one. We're, we're going to put forth that one of the reasons that the Jedi are failing is that they're too caught up in the code and what the code says yeah. and not right. what is intended to be. And they're too caught up in you are not allowed to feel emotion and blah, blah, blah. Right. And that's one of the reasons they fail. I don't think that that's a bad idea because even in the later, in the original trilogies and even in the sequels, they sort of validate that. Right. Where like Luke is a very emotionally in tune Jedi. And I right. think a lot of us would say that actually Luke is like one of the best Jedi ever, if not the best, right? Like he, right. he makes yeah. a real run for that. And yeah. even he, despite all of his failings, like despite the things that he fails at, he is a really uh, accomplished and in tune with the force Jedi. Absolutely, yeah. And I think one of the reasons for that is because he's super in tune with his emotions, right? And his actual like climax, his personal climax is an emotional decision. It's an emotional decision to believe in Anakin as his father that is going to do the right, right. thing to believe in love yes. and not in not feeling that or something. Like he's not shutting that out. He's not saying as my father, I'm not going to love you, right? Like that's kind yep. of what the Jedi are saying in the original trilogy or in, sorry, in the prequels that like he like should have done or something, right? But he doesn't do that. He like yeah. has this like very emotional decision and the audience like connects with that, right? You go like, yes, like right. that. I love that. Like that makes sense. That makes for a great story. And I think one of the greatest failings of the prequel trilogy story is that they, la they even if that is the idea of, okay, this is how we're going to cause the fall of the Jedi, it makes for a bad story because the audience, all of the Jedi are like emotionless. Qui-Gon is emotionless, right? Right. Uh, Obi throughout yep. the series is very emotionless unless he's angry at Anakin. That's like the only emotion that he feels, <laughs> right? Yeah. Anakin f struggles with this, like wanting to be emotional, like character, because he's just like a super emotional dude and like not knowing how to do it. And so he just ends up being whiny and complaining all the time. And so right. it just makes for an unfun story to like experience because as an audience, we want to experience emotions with the characters and we want to experience emotional connection and we don't get that. Yep. It's, it's one, not a fun storytelling device that, the, the watchers or the yeah. consumers don't get to feel, but it also kind of plays into, yeah, I can see why the Jedi have fallen at this point. Mm -hmm. They've tried to make the code so black and white that they have cut out all of the development, the emotional development that yeah. people need to go through in order to understand why it's black and white. Right. There is a gray area. Yeah. Because I think they like maintain this concept of we are, our connection to the force is fading and they maintain this concept of like we are you have to like quell all of your emotions or whatever like both of those things are going on but the story doesn't connect for us that those two things are connected right it's only like an analysis later that we realize like what was happening and i think it would have been delicate and subtle to try and show how that like why that was happening in the way that it was happening but it was really important to do it in the end the prequels just didn't yeah all right, so a question for you as like, you know, as our resident Star Wars expert. Um, I think, uh -oh. yeah, right. I mentioned earlier, I think there's only a couple <laughs> things that the prequels really needed to accomplish. Like the trilogy, I don't think was written to like necessitate a prequel, a prequel trilogy, right? Like it didn't need it. Um, yeah, it would definitely right. fit, you know, like the way it was written, but it didn't need it. There was only, I think, a handful of things that like really needed to happen. And so my question to you is like, what do you think those things are? Like, what did the prequel trilogy need strictly need to accomplish and as a follow-up i guess like how did it do like you know how did it kind of like meet those things that it had to kind of those boxes that it had to check that's a good 
question and I'm looking at it from the perspective of the OG trilogy. Like what mm-hmm. what is introduced in the OG trilogy that needs to be explained in the prequels? And I think that there are three main things and they're all kind of tied together, right? It's who who is Luke's father because he's a Jedi, right? Right. And how does he become Vader, right? Mm-hmm. What does that character arc look like? The second is what is the formation of the empire? How did that happen? Why are we under this oppressive regime right. in the OG trilogy? How did that come to rise to power? And yep. then also, what is Sheev doing? Or what is Palpatine doing? Like, what what is his role in the story? Yeah. And I yeah. think that Palpatine's role in the story is probably one of the weaker things that's introduced in the OG trilogy of needing to be explained. I think it's one of the more interesting that things that is explained in the prequel trilogy, but it's also like, I can see, okay, we have this empire. It needs a figurehead. I assume that he would somehow rise. Yeah. Right. Like in, in, in the OG trilogy with the anthology films, a lot of those are not accomplished very well. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I, I think that it goes back to kind of the ready player two dilemma where it feels like you're just listing out list of events and there are some wild leaps of, um, assumptions and everything Anakin does this like quick 180 because mm-hmm. oh shoot we only have an hour left in the prequel trilogy right give him yellow eyes so everybody knows he's evil now <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and I think that Filoni and I, I feel like I keep saying this but I feel like the the Clone Wars really helps flesh that out and now that we have the Bad Batch that really helps flesh out the rise of the Empire okay right because we, we don't see the rise of the Empire a lot in in episode three, right? Right. So we see it a little bit in Rebels. Like that's kind of there, but it's already okay. kind of established. The Empire's already kind of established in Rebels. Bad Batch kind of bridges that gap between episode three and Rebels and shows like a lot of the interesting decision of, oh, how are we going to transfer everything to Imperial credits? Like that's <laughs> something that is kind of addressed in Bad yeah. Batch. And so if you start to plug in all of the things that Filoni has done, it starts to make a lot more sense and it's yeah. and, and the prequel trilogy gets a lot better. I think that the the three movies are definitely the weakest link in the prequel story. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. Which I, I wish it was not that way. Right. Right, because there's so much Yeah, there's I think that's why everybody hates it is because it had right. the chance to be so good. Yes. And so yes. it's the missed expectation and the unrealized potential that everyone is like, "Man, this could have been amazing. Yeah. You didn't have to just throw in things for like happy meal, <laughs> you know, toy grabs like that. You know, we don't need a job. Right. Like, oh, we just need yeah, you. You could have, yeah, you could have yeah, taken Phantom Menace, condensed it down to 30 minutes. Yep. You could have taken the Attack of the Clones. That is episode one. Yep. The Clone Wars series is episode two. And then the Clone Wars series, I still want that. It can flesh out all the in-betweens, but there right. are a lot of major events You can events create Ahsoka happen. as a character. That's a really important thing. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like there are 50 Clone War battles that are just never talked about right. in, in the anthology films, right? And so pick three of them and just have a movie that's all about Anakin being an awesome general alongside right. of Obi-Wan. Yeah with Ahsoka and then Revenge of the Sith, I think tells a good story. Um, Mm -hmm. I I think that's definitely the strongest of the three films. I would agree. So if you built that out, I feel like the pacing 
is really the worst. I mean, besides the dialogue, the pacing is really the worst part of the entire prequel series. Yeah. It's like, it feels like they spent 67% of their time on stuff that does not matter. And they, they, they they could have just used their time a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. I think the, like the storyline of the third movie uh, of revenge of the Sith is not inherently bad. It's just like, this is of the three. I think this is the one that does not inherently have a bad story. It's just told very poorly and just yeah. needs to be improved as a movie. And it's also trying to like slam in these emotional connections, right? There's some very like forward, abrupt, like emotional connection that is trying to establish between Obi-Wan and Anakin because that right. should have been done in Attack of the Clones and it wasn't, right? It wasn't yep. handled very yep. well because they were like yep. split up for like the entire movie. And so you yep. just have to like take at face value that they have emotional connection. And now that has to come to play in revenge of the sith because they have to have this really emotional fight on mustafar and right you are my brother anakin right right like with with the films you're just like what is like he they, they talked like twice right, right. Like, <laughs> they spent yeah. three years in war together right like right. they are brothers right yeah um and that's the real actually key word is that they are brothers and we talked i talked very early about the importance of uh of qui-gon dying at the hand yeah. of Maul, right? And you you mentioned it also that Obi-Wan had to raise Anakin as his Padawan when it should have been Qui-Gon. But Obi-Wan is not Anakin's father. He's his brother. And Anakin needed a father, not a brother. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good point. And Qui-Gon yeah. would have been his father. Qui-Gon was his father figure. He was like being built up to be that, right? Qui-Gon is the only one out of all of them that has like an emotional understanding of the Force. He's actually the one who un- like who identifies Anakin as the chosen one, right? Because he has this really good connection with the force and it's why he like uh, is able to go against the council because he has this understanding of like, no, you guys don't really know what you're talking about. I have a better connection with the force. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, Yeah. And so Anakin really needed him to stay around. Like you can just play out that kind of like mental game of like, how would the, how would the series have been different if Qui-Gon had lived? Right. And Anakin had had a father in Qui-Gon instead of an older brother in Obi-Wan an older brother who was already kind of dealing with the loss of his father, you know, and through the loss of, right, of yeah. Qui-Gon. But I think it's important because if he hadn't died, then we would not have had Anakin the Sith Lord. We would have had Anakin the Jedi Master, <laughs> right? So he had to die. Right. Like, that was actually yeah. really important. Yeah. I mean, the entire, st- it's it's almost like a what if Marvel mm-hmm. thing, right? Like mm-hmm. the entire story would have been completely different because Obi-Wan takes Anakin on as Padawan against the Jedi Council's suggestions. Right. Because he feels like Qui-Gon, that's what Qui-Gon would have wanted him to do. Right. And I feel like Obi-Wan was not the right person to lead Anakin through that. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. But none of the council wanted to do it either. Right. And so, like, if he didn't do it, if Obi-Wan just, like, says, like, okay, I'm going to follow the council, does Sheev just pick him up? And then we're we're still in the yeah. same spot we are today. And so I, I need Disney to do a what if. If if Qui Gon didn't die, or yeah. if uh, Obi Wan followed the Council's teachings, right, and said no, especially not, because at, you're right. Him. Earlier at the end of Episode Six, the there is balance in the Force, right? So did Qui Gon need to die, right, in order for Anakin to turn, in order yeah. for there to be balance <laughs> to the Force? I don't yeah. know. It's an interesting one. It's a self fulfilling prophecy at this point, right? right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, are there other like that? So that is not really an improvement on the on the series, right? Because I think we would both agree that Qui Gon needed to die in order to tell the story that needed to be told. Um, yeah, but are there yeah, other yeah. improvements that you think could have been made in the prequel trilogy in order to tell the story that needed to be told because we know that it, it wasn't told very well? In the anthology films, I would have liked to have seen Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. 
somewhere. So Ahsoka is Anakin's Padawan. Yeah. And the emotional trauma, without trying to spoil any Clone Wars, like there is emotional trauma between Anakin and Ahsoka, Mm -hmm. right? Which is just another domino in the whole Anakin's falling to the dark side, right? Yeah. So I I, I would like to see that. I I think more dominoes to set up the realistic understanding of, oh, Anakin did fall to the dark side. I can kind of relate to that. I can understand why he did that, which is very prevalent once you've watched kind of the Clone Wars and everything. Um, I, I just wish I would have seen more dominoes in the film mm-hmm. films because like, it's like Anakin did a quick 180, right? He went from <laughs> like, I'm going to like listen to the Jedi Council to I just killed all the Jedi younglings, right? right. That, that was <laughs> like, and as, as a viewer, you're just like, that's that's hard to believe yeah and I, I i would hope that that is hard to believe or hard to like put yourself in that situation anyways regardless of how many justifications you see but it it, it seems like there was not a lot of that in the films or there wasn't enough of that in the films mm-hmm. as i would have liked to see like i i would rather see more of emotional trauma that Anakin is going through that helps justify that fall. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think the film series needed to focus more on emotions just as a whole. It needed to show that the reason that Jedi were not connected to the force and that they were making mistakes, because that's not a bad thing. It's okay to show that they are making mistakes. That's kind of actually one of the points. One of the main points of the prequels is to show the fall of the Jedi, but to show that that the reason for that is that it's connected to the fact that they are suppressing and not understanding how to process their own emotions and they're teaching people in that way. Right. Um, yep. And so they needed to show Jedi with emotion. They needed to show Sheev with emotion, right? He's actually like fairly cold besides just like understanding Anakin's emotions. Yep. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They needed to show that Maul was gathering his power from hatred and from vengeance and from negative emotion, right? That's why he was powerful. Not just that he was like this really mysterious character, right? Right, Um, yeah. I think my improvement would be, first of all, yeah, just agreeing with that, that if the the trilogy had focused on the emotions that are going on between the characters and how that connected to the Force, that that would have been an improvement. I think one major way to do that would have been to not kill Darth Maul. I think okay. if yeah, you yeah. take Dooku out of the story and you take General Grievous out, the only reason Grievous exists in the story is so that Obi-Wan can have a cool fight in the middle of episode three. Other <laughs> than that, he doesn't matter, right? I get that he has a role right. in Clone Wars, but if you just take yeah. him out of the story, like Darth Maul could have played that role, right? He could have done the things <laughs> yeah. that Grievous needed yeah. to do. And same with Dooku. Yep. He could have done the things that Dooku needed to do just as Darth Maul. And how cool would it have been if, yes, he kills Qui-Gon, right? Like that still happens. Then he has this fight with obi-wan and obi-wan instead of grabbing onto the thing like he falls down the bottomless pit because we know that a bottomless pit is right. no way to kill somebody and he survives yeah, it right yeah um, yep and so now there's this rivalry right that gets to play out between maul and obi-wan which actually does play out in the clone wars right <laughs> i was gonna say dude i got some good news for you i know oh. i know it actually happens in the clone wars <laughs> because filoni was like this is a good idea this is what you should have done <laughs> yeah yeah. So, yeah 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 and I, i've not watched it but i've heard really good things about that like rivalry so imagine now that you get to play into Maul as a character because you only have one bad guy, right? Well, plus Papatine. Right. You only have one active bad guy that everybody's fighting. And Obi-Wan, every time he sees him, he gets overcome with rage, right? He has to fight down this yeah. rage because of the Qui-Gon's dead. Oh my God, I hate you so much, right? Right. And so you yeah. get to show like how he has to process that. You get to play into the emotions of Obi-Wan. And that's a super relatable emotion. We get that. Your dad died or whatever. 100%. Like, yeah. 100%. We get yeah. that. 
And then you get to see like Maul's conversations with Palpatine and why he's so powerful is because he has all this hatred and he, the Jedi order has to come down and blah, blah, blah. I need revenge. Right. Right. And yeah. so you get to show like the emotions on both sides, but there just wasn't a mechanism to do that. Cause they were constantly introducing new bad guys. Right. And yep. constantly having to like yep. try and justify why the main characters cared about the bad guys. Cause they really don't all that much. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so the whole thing just kind of comes off the rails. So, if I had to yeah, make one no, improvement, that, I think that's the closest I could do to making one improvement to fix this. Series. <laughs> I don't think it would fix everything, but it's the best I can do. Right, and I think that would be a great improvement. Just to dive into the storylines a little bit more, because I I one hundred percent agree that there are too many bad guys for the amount of screen time mm-hmm. that they get. Mm-hmm. It's it's very confusing. But you get to sell three times as many toys if you make three bad guys. That's true. I didn't think about that. <laughs> Damn it, Lucas, you Damn got me. Lucas. <laughs> He's got that merchandising percentage. So I could probably talk about this topic for a couple of more hours. All right, and, I, I got some time. Uh, you know, I got some time. Okay, well, I don't. So um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> call that bluff. Anyways, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I, I think that this was a really fun conversation. I kind of like the format of just like talking through and the, the kind of debate style that we had going the friendly debate style yeah between, absolutely you know the the prequels are the best thing in the world and your stance of the prequels were pretty good but could be improved <laughs> um so is that my stance <laughs> that, that's how i read into it so oh. i i may have i i may not understand the emotions correctly but i i think that's what you were saying wow see this is an example of prequel storytelling where you tell the audience how to feel <laughs> instead of showing them exactly so now that you've heard that the prequels are awesome dalton sort of agrees uh anyway (laughs) no i totally agree this was this was a really fun one to be able to like talk about something critically and have some like friendly debate has been has been super enjoyable so i'm looking forward to i think we've kind of besides like harry potter um, and, and Dune coming up, we've covered a lot of series that are critically acclaimed, right? Super successful series. Yes. Um, yeah. And this is our first turn into things that are critically critiqued, I guess, to, to phrase it. <laughs> right, um, yeah. And so I'm looking forward to some future analyses where we are looking into books that are not the main ones, right? Because we've kind of covered that, um, but ones that we're starting to be a little bit more critical of. And so hopefully this has been a little bit t- of, t- of, a, <laughs> of a taste of what that might look like, um, because we're really right, looking forward yeah. to doing that with you. Absolutely. I, I am interested to hear what you think. So hop on the Discord, hop on Instagram, let us know. Do you think that the prequels are good? What is something that you would change in the prequels to make them better? Yep. Because I, I, I think that would be interesting to talk about through maybe like a fireside episode or something. So oh, absolutely. I, I'm interested to hear everyone's thoughts on that. So we'll we'll throw that out as a discussion topic on, on our social media platforms, which you can all find in the show notes, which... I'm doing the same thing because we're on video. I'm pointing below. Yep. Right. Yep. <laughs> Just click on the link below right here. Right. You here. see it right here. You can see it. That does not work as well over a podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so let us know what you think. Um, I, I'm really excited to hear hear those opinions. So. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Yeah, it was great talking with you, Dalton. Always and is, buddy. As, <laughs> as always. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.